Good evening, America. How is everyone doing tonight? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live on this Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining us tonight. What a night for news it is tonight, and it's good to be back. Uh, First of all, I would like to apologize to uh, all the other networks out there. Uh, who might have noticed my absence. Uh, I had been uh, fairly ill, and, uh, well, it looks like it's time to get back into the game now. Things are are looking on the up and upside for the health and the good old body. Uh, But we'll leave that there for now tonight, guys, because we've got some news now. We haven't been on the air for about a week and a half uh, intermittently. We were around for about a week and a half, and then we were gone prior to that. So, incidentally, there's a lot of news that we could catch up on, but uh, we're not going to play that game this week uh, moving forward. Uh, We are going to move forward with the newest headlines. Uh, We got a lot of stuff going on right now, and it's uh, it's, uh, a very timeliness uh, that we're able to make it back on the air. I'm pretty sure a lot of you all have heard uh, by now that uh, we do have the case of Ghislaine Maxwell and uh, that trial reaching its verdict as of this afternoon. And, uh, well... Uh, The uh, jury found her guilty on all six counts uh, that she was being charged against. But we will jump into that a little later on in today's show. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, what was going on with that trial. Uh, Because like I said, we missed out on a lot while I was off the air. But I'm sure you all are uh, savvy enough to get y'all's news sources from other places. Not Diane. There's no monopoly on news and information here at the Sea Report. Like I always like to say, we don't break the news, but we definitely share the news. And uh, I would have to say that there is probably a great sigh of relief, myself included, honestly, uh, when we're talking about uh, the verdict that has been reached in this case. A lot of us out there in uh, the truther field, patriot field, to save America first crowd, And all of the other uh, conspiracy theorists um, have been following this story because that's basically what it was at its onset, like, what, 20 years ago, two decades ago, when we were first hearing about Jeffrey Epstein and the Lolita Express and Pedophile Island. And who is this Ghislaine Maxwell person uh, that seemed to be tagging along with him throughout? So, yeah, uh, we will definitely address that because... Uh, It is a day that I think a lot of us have been waiting to see. But of course, after that, uh, we have many questions as questions tend to well up in the mind of Americans and those who are seeking the truth and more importantly, justice. Well, I don't know if you could say uh, justice is more important than truth, right? But you you guys get what I'm talking about when we're talking about a case like uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and uh, the human trafficking, I would say child sex trafficking charges. Um, that uh, we are seeing culminate in a guilty verdict this afternoon. So 
Like I said, we'll tackle Ghislaine and some of the questions a little bit later on in today's show. Um, we are coming to you guys live across all platforms. Uh, my reasons for the apology. If, uh, if you are a, uh, a member of the community over at the foxhole.app or at pill.net, well, you guys had your chance uh, last night uh, and uh, I got with the fam and just uh, kind of talked about a few things and stuff that was going on on my end. But like I said, I'm not the news. We got the news, though, coming up for you guys. And so uh, we got a lot to share. Um, some other things, you know, like I said, while I was I was uh, off healing my wounds, uh, a lot of things going on in the news. Um, you know, we have a lot of things going on with, uh, of course, illegitimate Joe Biden and uh, his pseudo administration, his junta, uh, by any other name that's better. And it just appears that more and more uh the cracks are not just cracks anymore in that administration. You know, I mean, we're not talking about the cracks that are the crackheads, of course, uh, but we're talking about the cracks that are just uh, becoming big old gaping holes in uh, the way that they work. And I could tell you for a fact at the onset of this, um, and when I say the onset of this, I mean when, uh, when they took over the White House in a coup back in uh, November 3rd, 2020, uh, by uh, stealing the vote and uh, other uh, various uh, machinations that they uh, installed in order to fulfill that uh, desire. Um, uh, you know, it, it could have been said that uh, perhaps we'll see, perhaps we'll be able to see now in full technicolor, you know, majesty, um, the way that the deep state, the globalist elitist, any of those, uh, any of those nefarious individuals who, uh, you know, um, plotted this and have been plotting this for quite some time, that maybe we'll be able to see exactly how they operate. And I even went as far as to say, now we have the light shining down on them, fully exposed. And uh, of course, the caveat there is that uh, we had more Americans who are awake and more Americans who are waking up, you know, uh, to exactly how things seem to be run behind the scenes in politics, whether that is in America or around the world. Um, and uh, kind of the uh, vice grip that they've had over all of our elected officials and our government agencies. And I think we're seeing that more and more um, fluidly, uh, particularly when we see uh, some of the things that they're doing out there. You know, uh, even even the case of, uh, you know, Fauci and COVID seems to be, um, you know, having these big gaping holes. And the, the thing about it is, is, you know, through the uh, the mystery magic of the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy media. Uh, is that they're able to pull the wool over their eyes simply by having the loudest voice in the room uh, to get their lies across uh, every single day on every single hour. And it is through that, uh, it is through that advantage that they've been able to fool Americans and the world. But um, we're seeing more and more, I believe, that uh, even those who were not awake, even those who may never have woken up, even those who uh, are staunch Democrat supporters or uh, those who just simply refuse to believe that the government could be working against them, they're starting to wake up too. Uh, so um, all of that, I would say, uh, you put that in a, uh, a nice little uh, hand basket, you wrap it up like a present for Christmas, and uh, you see more and more people out there just willing to tear off that gift wrapping paper and uh, see exactly what the truth has uh, offered them this Christmas. So 
Uh, with that said, we got a few stories. We'll be focusing primarily on two tonight. Of course, I already mentioned we will be talking about Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, but we'll also return to one of our uh, rocks, one of our pillars in this uh, program here, and that would have to do with election integrity, because we've had a lot of things going on in that regard as well, as we see uh, as we see those whom we have elected uh, continue to try and push for election integrity and to expose the fraud that happened in 2020, uh, same as our president, uh, President Trump, as he continues to uh, drive that narrative, I still view as very important uh, that we uh, we talk about this and we go over some of the finer points in regards to how the election was stolen and everything that they did. And um, you know, for those of you who are new to the audience in the C Report, and for those of you who might just stumble across this show and wonder what the heck that man is talking about, well. We will be detailing uh, some of the fraud that happened, and uh, some of this is going to sound like a broken record, and some of it's going to sound like we've heard it before. Um, but the thing that we need to keep in mind here is just as someone such as President Trump continues to hammer out and hammer out and hammer out the truth in statements and you know in interviews, um, as we move along into the brand new year, it's right around the corner, guys. I'm sure you're all very well aware. I think uh, I think um, shows uh, that uh, are America first and, you know, shows that do want to make sure that uh, we're fighting for this country continue also uh, to walk in step uh, with uh, with that. And uh, by that, I mean uh, continuing to talk about and to push out the uh the, the information that has come to light thus far. Um, so, well, who are we going to talk about, right? Like, what kind of election fraud are we going to talk about? What are we going to recap? What are we going to introduce tonight to those who may have never even heard about it? Uh, we could talk about Wisconsin. Got a lot of stuff going on in Wisconsin still. And uh, the Wisconsin story, talk about, uh, talk about regurgitating old news, right? I mean, we have stories about uh, evidence of election fraud in Wisconsin that go back all the way. And we're not talking about specifically just the hearings that uh, Rudy Giuliani and his and uh, President Trump's legal team uh, were presenting when they were having their hearings back in like December of 2020. Uh, since then, a lot more information has come out and a lot of that has been either swept under the rug or it has been forgotten. And uh, I wouldn't say on the part of patriots or shows that are America first that that's intentional. It's just, you know, the news, the news machine and the news cycle is geared for that very reason. It's geared to uh, just pump out stories and new stories and uh, new new items that uh, sometimes tend to cloud the mind, uh, give us a little bit of mind fog when we're thinking about what has happened uh, in regards to the theft of our country by the theft of our vote. So uh, we'll actually be talking about um, Georgia tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Georgia's on the top of the mind, so we will be talking about uh, Georgia fraud. And we will also uh, be going through um, a, few, a few things that will help us remember, because there's, there's some developments. It seems like there are always developments, but there are some developments coming out of Georgia uh, that I thought were worth um, rehashing that evidence of uh, voter fraud and also um, a lack of integrity 
in that regard. Uh, so we'll be talking about that tonight as well, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you're joining us live right now, um, we are live on the foxhole.app, pilled.net, Trovo D Live, as well as Clout Hub and uh, Twitch. How could I forget about Twitch, right? And uh, I would also encourage you all, if you'd like to uh, visit us over at our podcast, uh, you can get the podcast versions of uh, our shows. Uh, we're currently up to speed in that regard. As far as uh, the, the uh, podcast goes, we have, um, uh, I recently uploaded the uh, three interviews that needed to be up uploaded uh, to the podcast for those of you to hear one with uh, Everett Triplett, and then also one with uh, Joey Afage, who is an America First candidate for uh, Cor Coriel uh, County in Texas for County Judge. And then uh, Mr. C in the Dark with guest Pilled by the Rabbit. So uh, that's some, some new stuff to look forward to if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, otherwise, tonight's episode, episode number 215, uh, will be uh, live on the podcast shortly after today's broadcast. I want to jump into our chat rooms real quick. Um, we do uh, view chat over at uh, pill.net and the foxhole.app. Uh, saying a good evening and a hello to uh, Pilled by the Rabbit. Hey, 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 I just talked about you. The Patriot 1776, Texas Gal, also in the house. Good to see you as well. Uh, Ping254, Mr. Ping254, we just mentioned you as well, sir. Good to see you tonight. And Relanon, Relanon, thank you for donating 117 gold pills. And uh, appreciate that as well as The Patriot 1776 gifting a can. Uh, donations and Yavapai Michael. Good evening, Mr. Yavapai Michael, donating 300 gold pills. I appreciate you. He says, uh, Mr. C, happy new year and uh, let's get the party started. <laughs> uh, now, for those of you who watch the Mr. C TV channel or Mr. C channel, we do run other shows on uh, on our channel. So uh, actually, we will be doing a Mr. C in the Dark on New Year's Eve. So if any of you guys are like me and you won't be going out and you won't be necessarily celebrating with family and friends, well, you're more than welcome to our family of friends here at uh, the Mr. C channel and Mr. C TV to hang out with us as we bring in the new year. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And uh, let's see what else we got going on in the chat before we get started on tonight's show. Uh, looks like Yavapai Michael also says, uh, Wendy Rogers and Carrie Lake from Arizona are doing great work for voter integrity. And I would definitely have to agree with that. Um, uh, Wendy Rogers has been extremely vocal from the jump. Um, I think Yavapai Michael even shared with me uh, one time that uh, um, he had asked uh, Wendy Rogers what one of her main focuses would be um, in the Senate for Arizona. And uh, her number one answer was uh, voter integrity. And uh, the woman has definitely lived up to her word. You know, as vocal as Wendy Rogers is, as, um, as, um, as aggressive as she is at uh, what she's doing for the people of Arizona and the people of the United States of America, um, one would think that uh, she's been at this for quite some time. And uh, it was surprising to me to learn a while back that this is actually the first time she served at the capacity of senator. And she previously, I think, run for congressman. And, uh, well, we all know how, uh, you know, politics as well as the uh, theft of politics go. So there's no telling what the truth is behind her first run. 
Uh, but I would be willing to bet that uh, there was probably some gitchy business going on there. And uh, let's see here, guys. Oh, no. All right. Well, it looks like I might have lost the audience over at the foxhole.app and pill.net. But, uh, well, you know, as they say, ladies and gentlemen, the show must go on. So uh, we'll continue broadcasting and hopefully... Uh, they can get uh, things squared away over there for my uh, first live news show since uh, Lord knows when, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but it has been a minute. All right. But it's good to be back nonetheless. And uh, we will carry on and carry forth. All right, Pilled and Foxhole. I'll let you guys do what you do over there. And I'm going to do what I do over here. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and kick off into some of today's stories because we really do have a lot of ground to cover in Georgia. Um, we're going to be watching a couple of videos that might uh, bring up those fond old memories of exactly how things were stolen there and then and don't you know. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to say uh, tonight's stories are brought to you by The Gateway Pundit, The National Review, Breitbart, Newsweek, People, the Miami Herald, Bloomberg, and 3-7's newsletter. Uh, it's kind of funny because uh, whenever I list off some of my sources for the shows, uh, I, get some, I get some flack from it. Like, why are you sharing an article from People? Or why are you sharing an article from the New York Times? Like, don't you know that those are mainstream, lamestream, uh, fake news media outlets? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I do. Uh, but uh, it is through their words, their own words, uh, you know, sometimes we do gain valuable information and perspective, okay? And then also sometimes, incidentally, when they uh, seem to be telling the truth or are telling the truth, uh, we uh, we could actually procure some information that uh, some of the independents out there don't always acquire. Uh, so yeah, so uh, interesting list for tonight where the sources are coming from, but we will most definitely uh, be covering some of that information. All right, guys, let's see what we got here. Uh, in true C-Report fashion, uh, we will be starting tonight's show off with, you guessed it, some statements from President Trump. I got uh, three statements from President Trump, uh, the third of which is actually going to lead us into tonight's episode. What do we got here first, and who is that on the screen? And it looks like uh, we have an endorsement from President Trump. That's going to be our first statement tonight. Let, uh, let me pull up that information real quick. Now, uh, the gentleman on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, is actually um, the governor of Alaska. All right. So uh, President Trump is endorsing the current governor of Alaska. And uh, President Trump had actually endorsed him uh, before uh, when he was first running for governor. Uh, so uh, it looks like President Trump is going to extend that uh, good faith endorsement to Mike Dunleavy once again. Uh, let's go ahead and see what President Trump had to say about Mike Dunleavy. And uh, so you guys could get the uh, photo of the governor of Alaska. I went ahead and uh, kept the statement off the uh, screen. Now, uh, the statement says Mike Dunleavy has been a strong and consistent conservative since his time in the Alaska Senate. I was proud to endorse his first run for governor, and I am proud to support his reelection. From his handling of the virus, um, support of the Constitution, including the Second and Tenth Amendments, taking advantage of all opportunities Alaska has to offer 
and his strong pushback against the liberal Biden administration's attempt to hurt our great country. Alaska needs Mike Dunleavy as governor, now more than ever. He has my complete and total endorsement, but this endorsement is subject to his non-endorsement of Senator Lisa Murkowski, who has been very bad for Alaska, including losing Anwar, perhaps the most important drilling site in the world, and much else. In other words, if Mike endorses her, uh, which is his prerogative, my endorsement of him is null and void and of no further force or effect. All right. Now, that is uh, quite the endorsement for President Trump. I would say that is uh, probably the first time uh, we've seen an endorsement coming from President Trump that uh, has strings attached, ladies and gentlemen. I find that very interesting. Now, he is fair when he says uh, if uh, Governor Dunleavy chooses to uh, endorse Lisa Murkowski, uh, that it's his prerogative. So, you know, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. But he will retract that endorsement if uh, the governor endorses uh, the defiled and treasonous senator, Lisa Murkowski. Uh, so that's a, that's a pretty, interesting, uh, pretty interesting endorsement there. I think that's the first of its kind that we've seen. And, you know, uh, we've seen a lot of stuff. Um, uh, pretty much all of us are familiar that uh, Murkowski is compromised, you know. Um, and uh, so whatever decision she's made, uh, there's no telling who's really pulling the strings on it. Uh, I'm sure all of you all remember that uh, very auspicious photograph uh, between uh, she and uh, Barbara, uh, Feinstein, yeah, Senator Feinstein, and... Um, it seemed like Feinstein was kind of holding her against the wall. Oh, wait, I forget. She was holding her against the wall. Very threatening photo there. So um, we will see what happens in that regard. And uh, we'll take it from there. Um, so uh, President Trump has endorsed uh, Dunleavy before. Now, as it's been said before, you know, just because a candidate gets an endorsement from President Trump, does not necessarily mean that the Patriots are 100% sold on that candidate. Um, I think with the fact that uh, Dunleavy has been endorsed by Trump before and he's being endorsed again, that does uh, that does sound like it would uh, be something that's good, um, mutually speaking, for both uh, the people of Alaska, America, and also uh, for the Trump administration and for the America First um, movement. Uh, that is just, uh, it's like a groundswell right now, you know, as far as uh, people and individuals supporting the cause of America first. And uh, it, it's it's like we said, people are opening their eyes because um, the situation that our country is in right now at the hands of this um, illegitimate administration really puts into perspective, particularly for those who don't necessarily follow the America first trends, is that um, it really, really stinks not to have your country first, right? with inflation and taking a backseat to other countries, to China, to Russia, to all of those types of uh, goings on and everything else that we're seeing, you know, uh, loss of jobs and all that. Uh, America second just doesn't look that good anymore, you know, and uh, we know that uh, that ball really got rolling underneath the Obama administration. Uh, and we're seeing the uh, fruition of Obama's dreams, right? Coming, uh, coming true 
uh, through the actions and the inactions of his, uh, of his uh, little puppet here, illegitimate Joe Biden. And they managed to do it in such a quick timeline uh, that it's extremely obvious uh, to a lot of us, particularly those who were formerly asleep, what exactly is going on, you know, what exactly is going on. So, all right. Well, good for you, Governor Dunleavy. Uh, hopefully you will heed those words and continue to be an America first um, governor for our country and for the state of Alaska. All right. Who's this fellow on the screen here? This fellow on the screen here is uh, goes by the name of Mays Middleton, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now, Mays Middleton, it would seem, is a Texas state representative, and uh, he has also uh, received an endorsement from President Trump. Uh, these endorsements came yesterday on the 28th. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Middleton and what Texas, uh, what uh, President Trump had to say about him. First of all, in his released statement, President Trump says in regards to Mays Middleton, Texas Representative Mays Middleton, who chairs the Texas Freedom Caucus, is a very effective leader in the Texas House. His voting record on conservative, conservative issues is second to none. Mays championed the forensic audit to identify voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. He knows CRT indoctrination is wrong for our uh, school children. He co-authored the bill to triple security along the Texas border and strongly supports our great military and vets and uh, our under siege Second Amendment. I am proud to give my complete and total endorsement to a MAGA champion, Mays Middleton. Now, that is a soaring endorsement from President Trump. He actually brings up some points in here I find uh, a little interesting. Now, I'll be honest with you, being from Texas, I honestly don't know Mays from Jack. <laughs> um, and I haven't, uh, uh, he definitely is not my representative. I haven't looked too much into him, although I know I've seen him uh, teaming up with some uh, with some other uh, Texas state representatives. I think uh, Stephen Toth was the other one. Now, Stephen Toth is actually the one who... I'm familiar with as being uh, the champion for election integrity in Texas uh, for 2020. Um, but we see here in the statement that uh, President Trump has addressed Mays as being the champion for the forensic audit uh, to identify voter fraud in the presidential election. Now, if he's speaking specifically about the Texas forensic audit, which, you know, we don't even have word on yet if that is confirmed. Uh, we know that, uh, we know that the uh, Secretary of State, uh, Deputy Secretary, um, Jose uh, Garza, uh, we know that he actually wrote up the plan for the, um, the forensic audit in Texas for the four counties that they want to audit, uh, at most, most of which I am not satisfied with in particular uh, because there's uh, no uh, no um, review of the physical ballots. Uh, there's only a partial review of the electronic ballot images. And importantly, what I think every audit needs, aside from, you know, an audit of the machines, uh, let's be honest, we want to get rid of the machines altogether, right? Uh, but there's going to be no canvas during this audit of the state of Texas. So it's it's a very whitewashed, and a very um, show type of audit. It's going to be a fraud it to steal uh, steal the words from the Secretary of Snakes, uh, Katie Hobbs, out of Arizona. 
Uh, I, I think she's the one who coined that first on national TV, um, a fraud it guys. And uh, it's not really what we want. Um, it's just there to pacify uh, the Patriots, uh, the America first crowd in Texas and uh, to give the rhinos the satisfaction of saying that they did a forensic audit. Even uh, Governor Abbott, Governor Abbott has boasted about this Texas forensic audit as being the largest and most comprehensive audit in the country. Uh, to which I say to Governor Abbott, you're wrong, boy, because uh, we all know that the gold standard for auditing was set in Arizona. And uh, we know that that one was far more inclusive uh, of all of the aspects that go into uh, this type of an audit than what they're offering in the Texas forensic audit, which is just basically it's a bunch of bull. And uh, anyhow, but uh, not to take anything away from uh, Mr. Middleton here, a representative Middleton, I apologize. Um, it's uh, still a good endorsement uh, from President Trump. Now, like I said, I really didn't know uh, Mays Middleton from anyone in Texas hadn't uh, really looked him up and uh, seen what all he's done. So, you know, I was actually looking into uh, some information about him, some news about him. Uh, I did the same thing with Governor Dunleavy, you know, uh, seeing if there's any recent headlines or any headlines worth of note. You know, uh, we had Dunleavy. He was, uh, you know, trying to uh, secure up more safety for Alaskans and, and stuff like that. Dunleavy seems, based on what I'd seen, to be pretty much on the ball uh, when we're talking about uh, not doing anything corrupt or untowards, you know. Now, in Middleton's case, I really couldn't find much at all. Um, as far as headlines go and news reports that I could fall back on to share that information. But uh, I did find an interesting article uh, on a website um, that was talking, oh, basically, you know, uh, trying to expose Mays Middleton and uh, exactly who he is and where he comes from. So I thought I'd share it with you guys. Um, it was over on a website uh, for an organization called Living Blue Texas. And uh, this is a, a website that touts themselves as being in support of Democrats, liberals, and progressives. So you kind of know where this is going, ladies and gentlemen, with that said. But uh, Living Blue Texas described Mays Middleton as a trust fund baby uh, whose wealth came from big oil and slavery. So I was like, wow, well, those are pretty, uh, those are pretty interesting allegations to have towards him. But uh, kind of looking into it, what we did see is that um, Mays Middleton is actually the CEO and president of an oil company called Middleton Oil Company. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it is actually a family owned business uh, and a family owned company um, that was started by his father in 1972. So uh, I don't know how accurate trust fund baby would be in that regard, especially when you consider that he's actually working for the company. Uh, but then again, I guess maybe, uh, you know, a living blue Texas knows a little bit more about that than I do. Uh, I'm not willing to bet on that, but uh, I'm willing to make that statement. And then as far as the slavery goes, um, middle, the living blue Texas had to go back Probably they went they went back to a family that was not even in the family name uh, as being slave owners. Like they went way back. Okay. <laughs> I uh, they they talked about how Middleton had boasted about being a seventh generation Texan. Um, so, uh, I mean, they probably went back about seven or eight generations to get the scoop on the fact that uh, Middleton 
is a downright racist and uh, probably uh, deserves to pay reparations uh, to everyone since uh, that, that eighth first generation here in Texas um, in regards to uh, where he is and his stature in the world and in the state of Texas at this point. So uh, I, I just, I would expect to see and hear more about that coming out as uh, that is really the ammo, the ammunition that they chose uh, to uh, to shoot and use against uh, the man that uh, President Trump has endorsed, Mr. Mays Middleton, with a good endorsement there. And uh, well, I mean, there you have it. Uh, they they want reparations from this man. Apparently, he owes he owes everyone a lot uh, for uh, the sins of uh, eight generations ago in that regard. So, uh, all right. It looks like we're back up on uh, the foxhole and at Pilled. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Railanon, Yavapai Michael, Pilled by the Rabbit, The Speak Uneasy. Good to see you guys in the audience. Kiss is also joining us tonight. Sean Joe, thank you for donating the cookies. And also Railanon, I appreciate that cookie drop. Two Rivers, good evening, sir. It is uh, good to see you in the audience tonight. And uh, Casual Gigi. Good evening and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Come on in. Blue Rinse at Blue Rinse. How are you doing tonight, friend? And thank you for gifting the cookie. Appreciate having you guys here. Sean Joe brings up a good point. He says, uh, the Sachs owner of New York Times were slaveholders and Jewish uh, rebs, <laughs> uh, rebels or rabbis. I don't know what that's supposed to be, but uh, there you go, guys. It just goes to show, uh, you know, people who really, uh, they just, they pick and choose, right? As they call cherry picking exactly who it is that they want to attack and uh, who it is that they'll kind of ignore and uh, look, look the other way in regards to uh, some of the things that they're trying to pin on other people. But otherwise guys, uh, great to be in uh, the show. Great to be with you guys tonight for the show and glad to have you all with us. And of course, if you are uh, joining us on other mediums and outlets out there, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. I see uh, DJ Ping hopped over to, uh, it looks like, uh, Twitch. <laughs> yep. Uh, we are live still. We are live and it's good to be back on. Good evening, 123SKG. Good to see you. Thank you for gifting that can. And uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with the show. If, uh, I don't know when uh, Foxhole kicked back on. It looks like you guys uh, at least uh, got back on when we were talking about Mays Middleton. Uh, but we're going on to President Trump's third statement. And that statement will actually take us into the rest of the show. Good to see you too, Miss Blue Rinse. And uh, <laughs> no worries about the lurking. We love the lurkers. All righty. Let's go ahead and see what uh, President Trump has to say. Okay. And now this uh, statement's actually going to take us back to December 23rd. Because uh, like I said, we do have some catching up to do, but we are absolutely going to be talking about election integrity. So what does President Trump have to say about the fraud of 2020? The statement reads, has it been at all noticed that I offered to debate anybody on television or otherwise about the rigged presidential election of 2020? This was a publicly stated challenge. I have been called a ratings machine and therefore would be good for television economics, which have not been doing so well lately. With all the bravado out there, I have not had one credible person willing to stand up and debate me in order to defend the crooked election. 
All involved, like those on the unselect committee of January 6th, know that this is a losing proposition for them. The election numbers, pardon me, uh, the election numbers are not defensible. Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Nevada, and probably New Hampshire, Minnesota, New Mexico, and others were all won, and in some cases big, by a certain Republican presidential candidate, me. So after one month, a very public offer to debate, I have no takers. Not even the sleazebags you see on the January 6th commission who speak with such fake reverence about the day. This is cancel culture. They think they got away with the crime of the century, and they don't want it to be talked about or discussed. Look at what has happened to our country, and what a shame it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, indeed. Indeed, and that's why... Um, that's why it's my my belief here. You know, we got to keep talking about this, guys. We got to keep on um, bringing up, rehashing, recollecting, recalling, uh, reclaiming all of the information that's out there. Everything is out there. Um, like I said, there there are even deeper points and more provable provable evidence that has since come out after the hearings that they had back in December 2020. Now, I would I would definitely say that those hearings that the Trump legal team did in their efforts uh, to um, ensure that America was not cheated out um, or disenfranchised um, or lose their entire uh, freedom, um, they, they definitely paved the way for what has come since then. Uh, we've seen in several instances in other states, as he mentioned, uh, Michigan, for one, Michigan had a big fight for election integrity that has seemed to be put on hold by the judicial system, <clears throat> corrupt judicial system. Um, we've seen the efforts in Wisconsin. Uh, it's nice that he mentions New Hampshire because, uh, you know, we covered back in the summer, you know, the entire uh, fraud it that occurred in New Hampshire again. And um, the audit that occurred in New Hampshire in the town of Wyndham indeed was a fraud by any other means or terms, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so I'm glad that that has come onto the radar. Now he's talking about Minnesota. Uh, you know, he's mentioned uh, he's mentioned New Mexico. Uh, you know, we we've kind of discussed a little bit about New Mexico and what was going on over there. And of course, all of this is centering around this whole COVID planned pandemic, um, which along with maybe moving some of the other agendas that these globalist and elitist filth had in mind for the world and what they want it to look like in the future. Um, but it also secured the win for their chosen candidate, one illegitimate joke. Well, he's actually a legitimate joke, if, if I were to really think about, you know, the words I'm using. But uh, Joe Biden, of course, uh, good old pedo Joe, creepy Joe, sleepy Joe. You kind of forgot about all of those uh, those terms that uh, were created for him. But um, yeah, uh, they were able to secure the election with the use of drop boxes. And of course, a lot more has come out since then. Um, Wisconsin, you know, we've seen so much action in Wisconsin. And uh, we will probably talk about Wisconsin um, maybe tomorrow, I'm thinking. Uh, but uh, Wisconsin's at the point of, of decertifying, you know. Uh, with everything that uh, that has been presented over there, 
And then, uh, of course, when we're thinking about uh, some of the other means that were, were utilized to steal this election, we also saw the major money bomb donations uh, that were given out by Mark Zuckerberg and his wife uh, to, in to ensure the safety of elections uh, due to corona. I mean, that's what they said. Uh, but I think it was more to ensure the safety of the election theft for uh, the globalists and the elitists. And so that's kind of what we're seeing here. Uh, but um, we're going to talk about Georgia. OK, so let me get uh, Georgia on the screen. Now, I've said even as back as far as when uh, we were going, actually going through the forensic audit in Arizona, you know, that Georgia based on a lot of the evidence as reported by some of their own people and also as discovered by groups like Voter GA um, working out of Georgia, obviously, uh, that they could decertify like months ago. They could have decertified months ago. But of course, you know, lawfare and the long game is all about slowing things down. And it really makes me wonder and think if, uh, in fact, their whole goal was to push all of this uh, you know, deliberation out and all of this investigation out far enough to where they were out of bounds of the 22 months that they needed to uh, retain the, de the data from the 2020 elections. And uh, kind of what I'm seeing here, based on some of the stories that we'll share with you tonight about Georgia, is we're seeing not just the cover-up, okay? The cover-up has already happened, right? Like, uh, you know, they have Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of Snakes over there in Georgia. We have, uh, you know, people like uh, um, Stacey Abrams, you know, and uh, everyone who's trying to fight the election integrity laws that they uh, passed in Georgia. Um, we already had the cover-up, okay? What they're doing now is they're cleaning up in Georgia. And uh, that's what we're seeing, I think, um, most accurately based on some of the findings that they've had. Um, now, they're, they're also doing the cleanup with a public relations, okay, uh, publicity going out there. They're having their, uh, their news outlets, they're having their, their fake news um, articles hitting the internet uh, where they're talking down everything that President Trump and uh, Save America First people have been sharing and have known uh, as these investigations have unfolded. And for a lot of people in the audience tonight who are familiar with these stories, basically it's like a recap. It's like, yeah, you know, we know this. It's something that's very familiar to us. We're very well aware of it, you know. But uh, as, as America continues to awaken, um, there are a lot of people out there that don't know or maybe can't track down all of that information. And it's interesting because, for example, uh, if I were to go back to Wisconsin real quick, um, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on in regards to the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Um, that's the Mark Zuckerberg um, organization that funneled millions of dollars into elections across the United States of America um, with the purpose of boosting Democrat and liberal areas to get the vote out. Right. Um, but we're seeing uh, we're seeing in that regards that. Um, uh, the hammer's really coming down on that. Uh, we already have states that have passed laws. I think there are about five of them uh, that pass laws that organizations can no longer uh, donate, you know, to that. But uh, they said it was for uh, 
COVID, but we see now that it was not, you know. So, and in that regard, we see that in Georgia, that happened as well. Uh, we see that in Georgia, they also received a lot of money. In fact, I believe the state of Georgia received the most money um, from the Center for Tech and Civic Life of all the states. And that is particularly because not only did um, Zuckerberg and his goons need to funnel money into Georgia to ensure that they stole the uh, 2020 election, they also had the runoff, uh, the Senate seat runoff for um, um, Ossoff and uh, Warlock, <laughs> Warnock. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, well, there you have it in that regard, ladies and gentlemen, as far as that goes. So we're seeing the clean, we're seeing the cleanup crew. Uh, we're seeing all of the articles go out. I think one of the most recent ones uh, had mentioned something about the number of dead voters uh, that were found in Georgia. So that's just one example um, of the cleanup crew and, uh, of course, uh, all of their PR firms uh, getting that uh, word out um, to, again, decry any type of um, allegation about election fraud in the state of Georgia. Um, but some of the other things that we're seeing coming up now in regards to the cleanup of uh, what happened in Georgia, um, we're seeing election files being changed. Uh, we're seeing video footage going missing. Um, and that's aside from, again, all of the uh, corrupt judiciary um, who are basically, again, extending deadline after deadline for hearings and then outright throwing out the cases in the face of the actual evidence that is being presented to them. And for new viewers tonight, we are definitely going to look at some of that evidence. So this way uh, you can walk away knowing that um, what they're saying is not true on the mainstream media in case you didn't realize that already. Uh, the first article I want to share with you guys tonight with that comes from uh, and the National Review. Okay, here's one of those, right? Shammy, fraudulent, fake news uh, outlets. But uh, let's see what they had to say. And we'll just go over this briefly. Now, uh, here the headline reads, Georgia elections most trustworthy in the country. Heritage report finds. So this, this headline here, reminds me of the one from the Epoch Times about the Wisconsin uh, election fraud, uh, where it said that um, they found no election fraud in Wisconsin. And I'm like, come on, the Epoch Times, you got to do better than that, okay? Instead of reporting on a story that comes from an organization or an outlet that has proven left why not uh, you know, why not focus on the stories from the independents out there who have done their, you know, their just diligence and they've, you know, gone the extra mile to track down the information to get the accurate sources um, and to deliver that to uh, the audience. You know, it's, it's as being fair, right, and, uh, and nonpartisan. But uh, that, that headline alone there, and this to me is a huge PR, huge PR public relations, huge, huge, huge. Just they want to, again, squash as much belief as they can from anyone. And they also want to, you know, um, stoke the flames of those who are well, um, well, well against election integrity. Uh, let's see what it had to say here. Let me go ahead and expand that on the screen so that this way you get more of what's being read and uh, less of the advertisements. It says, uh, Georgia's elections are the most secure and trustworthy in the country, according to an election integrity scorecard released on Tuesday by the Heritage Foundation. 
the number one ranking comes barely a year after former president, their words, not mine, uh, Donald Trump alleged that the 2020 election in Georgia was rigged against him. And eight months after President-select Joe Biden, my words, not theirs, called the state's new election security law Jim Crow in the 21st century. Okay, I'm going to skip the rest of that, but uh, let's see here today. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Okay. All right. We're not going to read the rest of this article. That might be to, uh, that might be to y'all's desire. But uh, when I pulled this article up for my, uh, to get my report together today, I had the entire article. It now appears that I cannot access it because I am not going to subscribe to uh, NR plus, but I got something better for you guys. So when I was actually um, going through this, my first question is, who is uh, the Heritage Foundation, right? So that's where we're going to get to the root of this. We're, we're going to get to the root of this publicity stunt um, by looking at who actually did the report, okay? And uh, so that's actually what we're going to do next. So let me go ahead and uh, swivel over there. Now, this is the uh, website for the Heritage Foundation. So let's go ahead and take a gander. Um, and uh, this isn't the main page. Uh, this is the methodology. So here's where they examine exactly how they gave Georgia the number one score for election integrity in the nation. Okay. Which, I mean, it's laughable if you know what has uh, actually transpired. And it can actually be a little bit inflammatory, actually uh, rather largely inflammatory if you know what transpired in Georgia. Uh, but real quick, what it says right here, um, it says, we provide individual scores in 12 different areas that we believe are essential to secure elections with a final score based on a compilation of the individual scores for each best practice recommendation. Uh, these 12 areas include voter identification, maintaining the accuracy of a state's voter registration list, rules governing absentee ballots, rules governing vote trafficking, uh, access of election observers to ensure transparency, citizenship verification, voter assistance procedures, vote counting practices, election litigation procedures, rules governing voter registration, restriction of automatic registration, and rules surrounding the private funding of elections. Okay, so those are the areas that they look at. Now, according to the article, which I apologize, it's now behind a paywall, um, but as I recall, uh, of all the states, the reason why Georgia received that rating is because they only violated three. Okay, so it, it was like three points per, and I think it actually might uh, share that down here. Yeah, okay, so here's the rating system here. So for example, voter identification implementation, they get zero to 20 points, okay? Um, accuracy of voter registration list, zero to 30 points. So my question here is when they're going through everything that happened in Georgia, what exactly were they looking at? You know, what were they basing their data, their rating off? What data were they looking at? Because if we're talking about the accuracy of the voter registration list, for example, uh, we know that Brad Raffensperger, as the uh, lead, uh, lead election 
um, election uh, manager there in the state of Georgia as the secretary of state did not actually update his voter registration lists until this year. Okay, there was an article that came out about it, you know, um, where uh, he was being called out on it. Like they cleaned up their voter lists. That includes, uh, you know, people who've moved, people who died um, and the likes. Uh, That was not clean during the 2020 election. So did Heritage Foundation go and uh, give them 30 points because um, their lists are clean? Because uh, Brad Raffensperger has supposedly done his job as a secretary of state? Or were they looking at the data that was relevant to the 2020 election? Um, when we're looking at absentee ballot management, uh, 21 points there, guys. Uh, we know very well about the chain of custody problems that happened during election day plus five or six in Georgia. Um, we have a record of it as we've uh, gone over here on the C report uh, that came straight from the snake's mouth, ladies and gentlemen, as Brad Raffensberger hired, um, the firm was, uh, let me see, I have the name here. Uh, the firm was, um, where'd you go, firm? Uh, Seven Hill Strategies, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, they hired Seven Hill Strategies and they had Carter Jones on the ground in Georgia at the Atlanta um, State Farm Arena, who was actually taking notes. And even in his notes, several times talked about his concern over chain of custody. Okay. And that's just one example. Uh, we know that there were other examples, such as uh, the procuring of these absentee ballots from the drop boxes, that um, there's a broken chain of custody and there's no record uh, on, in some instances uh, in that regard. In fact, uh, 74 counties, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, we'll take a look at another uh, another page here in a minute, uh, didn't even report you know, their chain of custody. And they also didn't have proper documentation or ballot images. Okay, so there's that. So I'm like, uh, did the Heritage Foundation, basically this was a fix is kind of what I'm getting at here. Um, Vote harvesting and trafficking restrictions. Okay, we know through True the Vote and uh, the investigation that they're doing, which has uh, has not come out yet completely, that they were doing an investigation into ballot trafficking and they had data that supported this very fact. And, uh, you know, they were able to track over 20 individuals who um, who dropped off ballots or were present at ballot drop boxes. Some of that information being supported by video footage that shows that ballot harvesting, I mean, ballot trafficking, which is actually kind of a new term, you know, I mean, we've had vote harvesting, but vote trafficking, like, you know, that's, that's a new one for the books, y'all. And uh, it was true the vote who termed that, who coined that term in that regard. Um, and so we know that there's a miss there, you know, but apparently they received four points for that. Um, let's see here, access of election observers. Do we even need to go in to, uh, well, we could say, were the, uh, were the election observers kicked out of the State Farm Arena or were they sent home early by one Ralph Jones and uh, his henchmen, Ruby Freeman and Wanda Shea Moss So this way they could go ahead and do the count the way they saw fit or the way that they were paid for and instructed to do. Um, So again, three points there. Okay, uh, let's see here. What else do we got that I can uh, kind of dig into before we go over to uh, the evidence that we'll be discussing tonight? 
uh, vote counting practices. Again, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that moving forward, uh, particularly when we're we're seeing like people being thrown out and uh, also uh, multiple ballots being scanned multiple times, uh, similar. Um, let's see here, restriction of same day registration, restriction of automatic registration. Okay, and that stuff came with their new voter laws at the end there. Okay, so that, that's just a quick overview of how Heritage Foundation scored these people. And I, I went and looked at the Heritage Foundation, all of their members. I went and looked at, uh, you know, uh, who serves on their, who serves in their staff and who serves on their board. And no big names stood out to me. Uh, so I couldn't be like, aha, you know, Stacey Abrams is a member of the uh, um, Heritage Foundation. But uh, that was not the case in this regard. So uh, let's see here. Okay, so let's take a look at this website. Now, this is from Election Truth in Georgia, okay? Now, this is an election integrity group, okay? And um, they're not affiliated with Voter GA, um, but uh, these people, they're, uh, they're really um, pulling all of that data and all that information together, and they're putting it onto a website concise for everyone to kind of see what really happened? Headline reads, the ballots, the reported results, and the truth. See what really happened in the November 3, 2020 election. And here's where we'll go ahead and see some of that. Now, they've captured a lot of this information. Some of this is just breaking in the headlines right now. Let me go ahead and uh, get that up on the screen. Okay. So uh, here's where they go through some of their top finds. Now, we're actually gonna we're actually gonna look at the hearings for this triple counted batches, um, which clearly goes against what Gabriel Sterling um, had to say. Now, Gabriel Sterling was like their elections manager and uh, Brad Raffensberger's right hand man there during election into, uh, the elections in uh, 2020. Uh, he said, let me say again, there were no multiple scanned ballots. There was a hand tally that proved that statewide. Again, just recounting and counting the counterfeits, right? And uh, he says, and I've been a Republican like likely longer than you've been alive. So, you know, he's trying to say, I'm a Republican. Why would I lie about it? Gabriel Sterling, who comes out of a, uh, who comes out of a firm that uh, turns Democrats into, uh, who runs Democrats as Republicans. Duplicate ballots reporting. Um, now, uh, let's look at the evidence here. And uh, we'll go through some of this real quick, guys. Okay. Now, uh, this one is brand new as of the 26th of this month. 81% of Fulton ballot transfer forms on October 16th, 2020 were invalid. So let's see what this has to say. It says... Um, and let me see if I can expand that a little bit more. A review of Fulton County ballot transfer forms on the second heaviest day of ballot pickups were invalid. And uh, they show here the October 16th forms. It says missing check-ins are a violation. Um, rules of State Election Board Chapter 183 for absentee voting. Critics will say that's just a clerical oversight, to which I say that's strange on other days with lesser ballot pickups. Fulton managed to check in the ballots properly. Uh, you, can e you can each day's ballot transfer sheets, courtesy of the Georgia Star, and their link to all 30 files provided by the Fulton County officials documenting absentee ballot transfer forms from the November 3rd election. And there you go with an example. 
Now, here's here's where we're seeing this ballot here. General election. This is dated um, October 16th, 2020. We see here that they collected them at 615. Okay. And uh, they had 76 ballots. Now, this is this goes back to the chain of custody, y'all. When we're talking about chain of custody, by law in every state, anytime a ballot is transferred, there needs to be a documented record of that transfer, including a name and a date and a time. Um, and uh, here you see they've done just that. They have uh, the Dropbox locations, all that good information. Those who received them, right, from the collection team. Now we see here that there is missing information, okay? And uh, that is part of this entire process. So they don't know, and it says here there was zero on this uh, this one here, but um, Georgia Star, we actually, we actually covered that article here on the C Report, and the Georgia Star was... Um, was the, the news agency uh, who was actually, uh, they are the ones who actually made the discovery about the broken chain of custody because they requested that information from every county in their state. And uh, to this day, uh, some of them still not have uh, turned in that information. So um, there's that. Let's go ahead and jump back. Okay. Uh, another one on December 26, falsified ballot drop box transfer forms. Um, they also have Fulton County Election Day vote discrepancies. Uh, Fulton County State Farm Arena video missing. So this is a, a new one that actually kind of just hit the headlines I noticed today. So we'll take a quick gander at that before we move on. And I'll expand that on the screen for you. And uh, again, thank you so much for the donations coming in uh, over at uh, Pilled and at Foxhole app. Appreciate you guys. Good evening, Sazzy Q, Posse for Hope. Thanks for joining us. Sherry Pittsburgh, it's good to see you. Welcome back. And J-Bell, hey, J-Bell, how's it going? J-Bell, and thank you for gifting the can. Uh, for those of you not on Foxhole or on Pilled.net, uh, J-Bell is another uh, content creator. Who's got a Who's got a great series of shows? Y'all should go check out sometime. Thanks for joining us tonight, J Bell, and uh, we also have a uh, person in the audience as well. Good evening, y'all. All right, back to this article real quick. It says uh, Fulton County State Farm Arena video missing. Fulton County was asked to provide video footage for the counting room at State Farm Arena from November second, midnight through November fourth. The county provided footage inside the room that has four cameras, but somehow. The camera footage showing the door with ballots loaded up and access to the service corridor only has footage from 5.22 a.m. on November 3rd. Nothing before. What are they hiding? Election records retention law exists for this purpose, and Fulton County is not maintaining the records. Okay, so uh, here it shows images of their record request. Um, that's Public Records Center. And uh, here we have um, missing videos for camera number three is what it says here. So uh, good question. And, you know, that's a, that is a, a ploy. That is a tactic that we've seen used throughout. Uh, this happened, for example, in New Hampshire. You know, uh, in New Hampshire, we had, um, we had an hour's worth of footage go missing on a supposed live stream, you know, in that regard. 
And uh, the, the next day we see that uh, the seals have been tampered with on the machines, you know? So why is this kind of thing happening? Why is that a trend? Uh, Arizona is the only one that did not have missing footage at all of anything that they were streaming and or documenting of that forensic audit, you know? So again, I think that is something to be said about the work that they did in Arizona. And, uh, you know, the people in Arizona who are doing these things are fighting for the right thing. It's not like New Hampshire, you know, where you had this uh, supposed audit, you know, it was fake. And it's not like Texas where they're trying to run us over with this fake uh, forensic audit. That's just, you know, it's not true. Okay. Okay. So we talked about the uh, missing video footage. Uh, we have here... Um, why is uh, the voter history file changing? So this one's another interesting thing. Uh, this is something we all know it's against state law, right? You know, you can't tamper with the files. If you're going to tamper with them, you should create an original. I mean, but the question is, why would you even tamper with them, right? Um, we, had, uh, we had in Arizona, again, as an example, where they actually have on film the individuals who erased the data, okay? Uh, to that those who fight against election integrity. And I don't know why anyone would fight against election integrity. Um, we have them say, well, uh, the secretary of state received copies of that. They have the data. This is common practice to which we know is not a fact. We know that uh, in the state of Arizona, they don't erase data to make room for future elections when they still have elections saved on their memory space from like the past five elections or, or more. You know, and it's only the 2020 election. So it causes the question to be raised. Why are they erasing data? Why are they changing the data? What's going on here? Uh, so here's something that uh, Election Truth in Georgia found. And I think they paired with voter GA on this one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it says here, um, if the Secretary of State is supposed to maintain all election records, why is the voter history file not frozen in time on election day? If edits need to be made for any reason, shouldn't there be a file frozen on election day and a second for updates? Inquiring minds would like to know. And uh, so what data was altered, we don't know. Um, but what we do know is that uh, we have evidence here of um, this uh, file being altered on November 18th, 2021, right? So already it's like... Uh, it should have, they should have retained their data from November 3, okay? Right here has last modification as March 26th, 2021. But then if you go down, they took a screenshot later on that shows on the 24th of November, there was another alteration, modification created of these voting um, records. So again, it's a good question to ask in this regard. And, uh, that's why it leads me to believe that it's very possible that uh, the Democrats, the globalist-led Democrats, these commie sympathizers, really were hoping that they could push all of this far back enough that they would be outside of the boundaries of that legal retention of data, which is 22 months in most cases across the board. And, uh, you know, we're here, we're sitting, what, a year out plus, you know, um, the, the clock is winding down, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, it doesn't feel like they're going to get away with it as much as they would have, particularly when you consider some of the information that we had that came out prior to election truth in Georgia. And it was, in fact, um, 
voter GA and uh, Garland Favorito, whom again, I will stress is nonpartisan. Now people will say, ah, but these are partisan organizations, you know, they're rhino, well, not rhinos, they wouldn't call them a rhino. They're Republicans, they're conservatives. Uh, they just hate Joe Biden. Uh, they just hate the Democrats. Um, but in, in the instance of an organization like Election and Truth Georgia, nonpartisan, and more specifically in Voter G and Garland Favorito, Garland was not a, a Trump supporter. He, he's a Democrat, if I'm not mistaken. But what he's concerned about is our sacred right to vote in this country, as of course, that is 100% representative of our freedom, not just our voice, not just our choice, but our freedom, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot stress that point enough. But um, let, let's take a gander at uh let's take a gander at uh some of the things that might have been forgotten and it might be brand new for some of the audience out there today now uh this was actually spurred on by this article um and this one's coming from newsweek why newsweek mr c well let me tell you what we got some juice in here and I'll expand that for you guys. Now, some of you guys might remember those characters known as uh, Ruby Freeman and Wanda Shea Moss, the mother and daughter duo that took down the state of Georgia uh, and stole it from their chosen president, right? Because we as voters get the choice, right? Um, president Trump. So what are these two rascals up to these days? Well, it appears that uh, Ruby Freeman and Wanda Shea Moss have decided to sue, okay? So they have filed a defamation lawsuit against um, One American News and Rudy Giuliani. And this is actually in addition to a similar lawsuit filed against the Gateway Pundit. Because, of course, the Gateway Pundit has really been the number one hub at covering all of the election fraud that occurred in 2020. Like, if you want to find out about election fraud, I would recommend going to the Gateway Pundit because no one else is covering it like they are. You know, no one else. And that's not to take away from any of the others out there. But uh, come on, Epoch Times, you ran an article on a bunk partisan uh, organization. And the headline just clarifies for everyone out there that there was no election fraud. And that was not the case. OK, we know that's not the case, particularly in Wisconsin as Wisconsin is geared to, uh, to decertify their election before Georgia. Now, uh, just in brief, this article says, two Georgia election workers, Ruby Freeman and Wandrea Shea Moss, filed a defamation lawsuit Thursday against One American News Network and former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, saying they were defamed by false claims that they committed ballot fraud in connection to the 2020 election. Uh, the lawsuit filed in federal court in Washington, D.C., says One American News Network, a right-wing cable news channel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're reading news articles and you're not sure if they're fake news, and this is particularly when we're talking about international uh, international um, uh, venues, you know, uh, uh, newspapers, news organizations that come from across the sea or abroad, they will, you will, this is almost a litmus test. You will know where they stand when they use phrases like right wing um, or uh, far right, you know, or, or conspiracy theorists. It's, it's almost the same as conspiracy theorists when you're trying to figure it out. Um, but like I said, especially when you're reading international news and you're trying to figure it out. But uh, anyways, the article says um, a right wing cable news channel 
accused Freeman and Moss, both Fulton County, Georgia election workers of ballot fraud, even after election officials proved that the allegations were wrong. And no such proof has ever been brought to us except for a recount of the fake ballots. Uh, Giuliani, a lawyer for former president, uh, their words, not mine, for President Donald Trump, went on the channel frequently and also continued to publish and amplify the lie. Okay. I mean, we already knew Newsweek was bad news, but anyways, I'm just saying. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So whenever uh, I read this, I was like, oh, you know what we got to do, right? We got to remind the people. We need to remind the world exactly what was going on with Wandrea Shea Moss and her MoMA, Ruby Freeman. Okay, so uh, let's see here what we got, ladies and gentlemen. Tell you what, we'll take a look at uh, some video, guys. And uh, this here in particular is uh, the footage that, you know, most of my audience is familiar with. And this is the footage that actually took place in the counting center um, where we see uh, Ruby Freeman triple and quadruple stuffing ballots into the machines. And again, for purposes of record and for purposes uh, for those new to the audience or those who may have stumbled across this report, um, we're going to share that with you guys again tonight. So let me get that geared up real quick. As an added bonus, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the clip that I'm going to play for you all tonight uh, includes the um, includes the audio from the President Trump phone call with Bradford Raffensperger. Yes, that's right. The Secretary of Snakes, the Democrat in uh, Republican clothing. I don't think Bradford is a rhino. I think he is a bona fide liberal Democrat. Just, you know, because there is a difference, right? There is a difference. There's a definitely a difference. Um, okay, I was just getting the sound ready for you guys so it looks sounds good for you. Okay, so that should take care of it. Let me go ahead and get this beautiful bean footage rolling. And this is also um, this is also uh, footage that a lot of people on the left and Democrats will refute. Okay, uh, they have gone as far as to say the actions that we see Ruby Freeman doing is standard operating procedure during a, a count, you know, uh, but also take note that aside from them pulling ballots out of containers that are hidden under tables, they're the only ones in this counting room. It is uh Wandrea Shea Moss, who is actually on the uh, left-hand corner, your left, not mine. And then Ruby Freeman is on the other corner in purple. And then Ralph Jones, who was the election manager that night or, or for that process, he's also present. And uh, this one girl here. Uh, but no other counters are present. OK, so uh, it is suspect that this took place after they sent him home. OK, and uh, we'll have another clip that will support that in just a minute. But uh, let me go ahead and get this rolling. A smaller number, you had 904 who uh, only voted uh, where they had just a PO, a post office box number. And uh, they had a post office box number and that's not allowed. We had uh, at least 18,000 that's on tape. We had them counted very painstakingly. 18,000 voters uh, having to do with, that's, uh, she's a vote scammer, 
a professional vote scammer and hustler. Uh, that is, uh, that was the tape that's been shown all over the world that makes everybody look bad. Uh, you, me, and everybody else. Where they got uh, number one, they they said they said very clearly, and, and uh, it's re been reported that they said there was a major water main break. Everybody fled the area, and then they came back. And her daughter and a few people. Uh, there were no Republican poll watchers. Actually, there were no Democrat poll watchers. I guess they were them, but there were no Democrats either, and there was no law enforcement. Uh, late in the morning, they went, early in the morning, they went to uh, the table with the black robe, the black uh, shield, and they pulled out the votes. Those votes were put there a number of hours before the table was put there. I think it was, Brad, you would know, it was probably uh, eight hours or seven hours before, and then it was stuffed with uh, votes. They weren't in an official uh, voter box. They were in what looked to be uh, uh, suitcases, trunks, uh, suitcases, but they weren't in uh, in voter boxes. Uh, the minimum number it could be, because we watched it and they they watched it certified uh, in slow motion, instant replay, if you can believe it. But in slow motion, and it was magnified many times over. And the minimum it was was eighteen thousand ballots, all for Biden. Um, you had out of state voters. Uh, they voted in uh, Georgia, but. They All right, guys. So, uh, well, there you have it. Now, this is footage, again, that um, Bradford Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, he said, and I paraphrase, almost quote, that them pulling ballots out of bins from under tables is an urban legend. Okay, that's the phrase he used. That is an urban legend, he said. It never happened. Okay. So clearly this footage here focused on Ralph Jones, the man in red, pulling out the bins from underneath the tables. Okay. So that was that instance. But now I, we got, we got to see, uh, we got to see one, I mean, we got to see Ruby Freeman uh, quadruple stuffing ballots. Okay. So we're going to roll that one as well. So now they're gonna and actually during, during this footage, uh, this came from one of the hearings. And so, so we have actually the breakdown uh, so, uh, it's being explained as it happens. So that's to our benefit and to the benefit of those who uh, don't believe that this occurred. Uh, those who do believe that this was an urban myth, an urban legend that, uh, you know, Ruby Freeman and Wandrea and Ralph Jones, they were honest and uh, they did everything like they were supposed to do. Um, the thing about it is what they were doing, who told them to do it, right? Uh, let's go ahead and roll that. Pulling these ballots out from under this table. This table, the black one, was placed there by the lady with the blonde braids at about 8.22 a.m. in the morning. So she put that table there. So the same person who's staying behind now, the same person who cleared the place out under the pretense that we're going to stop counting, is the person who put the table there at 8.22 in the morning. Yeah, I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table. Yeah, upper right hand, you see the gentleman in, in the red. So he just pulled one out. So 
so wh what are these ballots doing there separate from all the other ballots? And why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out with no witnesses? Is the question. So these machines can process about 3,000 ballots an hour. You have multiple, multiple machines there, and they're there for two hours. So you do the math. How many ballots went through those machines in those two hours when there was no one there to supervise, to be present, consistent with your statutes and rules, to supervise the tabulation? We believe that could easily be, and probably is certainly, beyond the margin of victory in this race. Because if it's only three scanners working for two hours, right, that's 18,000 ballots that went through. So we're now at 11.09. There were, in addition to the four workers that you see there, there were two other people who were bringing ballots in and out. Uh, the, the gentleman in red that you saw, and then a second person, I can't tell if it's a male or female based on their uh, hair being pulled back in their mask, but in any event, that's six total people. And so if we were to sit here for the next two hours, what we would see is that this operation just goes on and on and on. They're scanning until about 12.55 in the morning. So we kept the, the uh, video running. And you know we can show you the people who gave us the affidavits reappearing at that time, just as they said, around 1 a.m. to find out, are they in fact counting after they told us they would stop working or not? Um, and we will fast forward to that. But have you all seen as much as you'd like to see of what's happening here? I think I, so. I think you basically get the idea. Unless any member wants to see more. Or you have any questions? No. no. Let's go ahead. Okay. So let's fast forward to about 12.55 in the morning. Okie doke, guys. So again, this is an urban legend. It never happened. It is uh, the thing of uh, fairy tales and nightmares. Uh, definitely a nightmare, at least for uh, at least for America. So um, but you know, and, and I get it. You know, like people could could say, uh, "Well, we don't know what they were actually doing," or it's standard operating procedure for them to count the ballots like that. Uh, you know, considering that uh, it's never been standard operating procedure to uh, have a planned pandemic. I mean, it is now, but it wasn't back then. Um, and uh, so, yeah, when, uh, whenever Ruby Freeman, I read this article about her suing the Gateway Pundit and OAN for defamation, like, what do, what do they think, what con are they trying to pull? They already pulled a con, all right? But, uh, but then to try and, and uh, you know, really profit off of this, like, what kind of people are these? So, and, yeah, we know what kind of people they are, guys, but... Uh, but one, one other thing in this instance, when we're talking about already, we have these ballots that are coming out of bins and, uh, that's not where they're supposed to be coming from, right? They're supposed to be in uh, sealed ballot boxes, for example, with proper chain of custody. Like a question would be, where's the chain of custody for those ballots? You know, cause, uh, I've also read that, um, they said that they knew the whole time that those ballots were supposed to be there. Right. And uh, that that was that was actually in accordance with the way things run. Now, according to the 29 page report by Carter Jones, uh, the, the watchdog right for Raffensperger, 
even in his report, he mentions how the uh, election workers were sent home, but counting continued. And in one instance, he also mentions that it, it looks like one of the counters is uh, running ballots through multiple times. That was also noted in the report uh, that was given to the Office of the Secretary of State in Georgia. They were very well aware of it. Um, they were aware of it probably within days of its conclusion, not to mention that Carter Jones was in contact with uh, Raffensperger and his attorney, Ryan Storm, throughout the night for those number of days. And that is also documented in his report as well. Now, that alone right there, ladies and gentlemen, was why I say they could have decertified a year ago, you know, six months ago, a year ago, you know, give me something here. Um, but the chain of custody thing is another question, guys. And uh, so this one's actually one of my faves, okay? And I remember the first time we, this is the second time we're going to air this on the C report. I remember the first time we aired this and uh, people were just like with their jaws on the floor because no one had seen it before and they didn't even know this was out there. Uh, but um, this is actually footage from Ruby Freeman herself, okay? And uh, while she was live streaming, she live streamed and um, her, her job there at the uh at the state farm arena in georgia and um i i think if anything what we can take away from this is the violation of election laws when we're talking about the securing of ballots and also the chain of custody okay uh because there are several violations that happen in this video as uh as ruby freeman is taking us throughout her day okay so uh sit back and enjoy this one guys because uh this one is also as self self damning uh, as the footage that we just watched, at least in regards to uh, one Ruby Freeman. COVID testing, COVID, COVID testing. Oh my God. I wanna turn around. Hey everybody. Yeah, you know, I just got back yesterday after 10 days and I had just got tested. Hold on. Baby girl, you okay? Breathe. Sniff. <laughs> you don't need no asthma pump. You okay, baby? <laughs> the bonus registration. Yeah, they had a scare. Hey, we. They had a scare at the warehouse, so we all had to get tested again. Yeah, so we getting tested for COVID and I got 50 million ballots. Y'all know I work seven days a week, 12 to 13 hours a day. Where my other baby girl? I don't see her. You know, I got little baby girls out here. I have to. Oh, Keisha. Keisha. I ain't got but two out here. I ain't got but two. She handling like a gel. <laughs> okay. I love you, sweetie. See you. Okay. Yeah, so. Time to go back to work, get the ballots done. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not that bad. It is that bad though. <laughs> Don't let your nostrils be dry. Cause you will burn up. Hey. Hey, Scott. Hey. Yeah. So we're here. Voters, 
registration and election. Fulton County, downtown ATL. Yeah. So, yeah, I got here at a quarter to six. I'll leave about hmm, seven or eight. Hey, Dion. Put, oh, oh, you know, right. We'll see where, right. Thank you. When you get the testing, you have to move it from your nose. And then after the testing, you got to be able to breathe. I mean, because it's, okay, I get my little steps in, so I'm going to get the steps. <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah, they say this self-testing. I said, oh, no, not for me. I'm in the wrong line then. No, I definitely can't do it by myself. Really? Stick that thing in the nose and turn it three times. That ain't going to happen. So I let them do it. Yeah. Whew. So, hey, Dion, what's going on? How are you? <sighs> yeah. So, I got a lot of work to do, y'all. So I'm working seven days a week, but I'm getting it done. I was out for 10 days because I ain't like the way things were going. So I just said, mm. yeah, anywho, I'll see y'all when I see you. But I'm back, ready to work. I'm going to look, I'm going to let y'all see this. Okay, don't say nothing. Listen, look. All right, I paused it real quick um, for those of you um, who are watching and then also for the podcast side of the show. What we've just seen is uh, uh, Ruby Freeman at the um, State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Like I said, it's it's she's live streaming her day at work. So already her just live streaming what she's doing there is a form of breaking that security because there's no telling what kind of information she could be capturing on her live stream. That's one. Now, what we just saw right now uh, in the silent part, if you are on the podcast, uh, those few seconds, is her walking into one of the offices where they have the ballots stored. Now, this is an example of the lack of security. There's no one in there, okay? And uh, there's just ballots in bins and in boxes and in uh, in mail trays just laying out, just stacked together with no form of security. And uh, do they even have cameras in the room? Do we even know if they had uh, footage or any type of, uh, of uh, camera documentation that can verify the safety and the security of these ballots? Again, why are they not in ballot boxes? You know, these are all questions that we need to ask. And this is, again captured on film by Ruby Freeman herself. But it gets worse, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go ahead and finish uh, rolling this. Okay, so that's what's going on in Fulton County. Voters registration. Sir, can I have some work? It's been 30 minutes. 30 minutes? Uh-huh. That's all you give me. I'm going to give you but five. <laughs> I come to work, y'all. 
and they talk about me. Oh, they talk about me. Because I told them I didn't want to work. Oh, Dion, thank you. Thank you, love. When I didn't want to work, I took off for 10 days. Now I'm back at work. Give me some work. Because I come to work. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're going to give me, oh, you just gave me one. God bless you real good. Thank you. I want to give you two. I ain't going to overwork you. Overwork? Ain't no such thing. I'm going to be here till 7 o'clock. Okay. See all these okay, real quick, y'all. So we can just talk about what we just saw. Now we have Ruby Freeman going into her little cubicle by herself to do the job of ballot counting and verifying or whatever it is that she's supposed to be doing here. Again, there's no observers. There's no second or third party to verify what she's doing, what's going on in there. She's all by her lonesome with some man that she's haranguing, right? And then he walks off, but here we go again from Ruby Freeman's own video footage. And she talks about not wanting to be self-incriminating. Okay, there was uh, there was some, uh, there was some um, video that was out there about her talking about it, like on, uh, like in social media, like talking about how she, she and her daughter did something uh, to save uh, America and save Georgia from Donald Trump and stuff like that. But um, I mean, that's not, that video is not verifiable, but definitely this shows the breakdown of, uh, of the way the elections were being handled, the ballot handling, the chain of custody again, uh, that was going on in Atlanta uh, during the uh, 2020 election. So uh, let's go and finish this up. I do all this, get her all these absentee ballots. Don't mind, Miss Ruby. Whatever, she, no. She's, sla she's slacking. I know you ain't talking to me, and you the one just giving me some work. Oh, my God. That's all right. I charge it to your head and heart. No, I'm charging it to your head and your heart. You're not on about. Hey, uh, hey, Sister Baldwin. Hey, everybody. Y'all see my name on my screen? <laughs> Oh, I'm enjoying my work. I'm enjoying my work. Well, I got a sign today, huh? I ain't signed yesterday. Okay, I saw Yeah, give me some hand sanitizer. I ain't touched that clipboard. Oh, yeah, y'all just don't even know. I hand sanitize everything. Student skirts. Give me six feet. Yes. Yes, yes, Lord. Okay, so. So I get my hand sanitized. Hold on. Okay. Hey, you. Yeah, I, I use hand sanitizer. I hand sanitizer to handle on the coffee pot because they don't. You know who? Y'all know how I am. Dion, you know how I am. Y'all know how I am about cleanliness. It's next to godliness. I love how she said that, and she sounded like a demon when she said that. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Ah. Okay, I'm sorry. 
Okay, so I gotta tell y'all something. Hold on a moment. I gotta go outside. I gotta tell y'all something. What happened yesterday? So, so now Ruby Freeman, who's just received all of those ballots, right? It's already broken chain of custody. She's gonna leave them at her cubicle so she can go tell everyone on her live stream a message from Ruby Freeman. So, I mean, again, like you want to take, if you want to take the report from Carter Jones and everything that they knew about, and you want to take this video footage and you want to take the video footage that Brad Raffensperger calls an urban legend, um, I would already say there's enough um, questionable material there uh, to instill a lack of confidence in the election system process in the state of Georgia. All of which, I might add, Raffensperger has washed his hands of and uh, has either reverted the blame back to the counties or has tried to push the responsibility of investigation over to the federal level. So uh, Raffensperger, you, you gotta go, buddy. You gotta go. All right, here we go. Don't go nowhere. Don't go nowhere. Okay, so yesterday, before I left, you know, everybody just talk, talk, talk. They talk, who shot JR? Everybody, mama, grandmama, where you went to school, everything. That stuff just get on my nerves. So, so what happened? They got their little group together and started talking. I turned up, I got some old school music, old school gospel. <laughs> You know that one, praise the Lord, everybody. I mean, you know, I had it up loud because one nobody on my road but me. Hello, love. So I had it up loud, right? I had it up loud, okay? Ain't nobody. I'm in the corner. I had it up loud, right? <laughs> so after about 30 minutes, this girl said, Miss Ruby, can you turn your music down? I'm trying to enter. I said, oh, y'all finished now? Oh, oh, I was just doing it to drown out the noise. Well, we we just have to talk. I say, no, you don't. No. I said, I did. So I heard, you know, I hear everything. You know what they say about that little rat in the carpet. Well, I hear everything. So they were saying, I know she did it on purpose. And I was like, I heard them. So I say, yes, I did do it on purpose because I have to drown out the noise because y'all talk on purpose. So I said, okay, let's make a deal. Y'all stop talking and I'll stop with the music. Then nobody say nothing. They was like, mm, they just couldn't believe it. I came back, I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't having it. I got real stressed out. The real deal was I got so stressed out, y'all. I had to have surgery on my eye because then they build up this big knot on my eye. So they had to cut it open, get it out and everything. And I came back, I said, I'm not holding my mouth. I'm not holding my mouth. And then I watched that movie y'all with, uh-oh, people coming. I watched that movie y'all with Quinley Tifa, you know, last holiday, you know, when she thought she was gonna die. And she was just telling it like it is. Without being mean, she was telling it. I watched that movie too. I came back pumped up. I came back ready. I was ready for him. I was ready for him. So I said, if y'all stop talking, then I will stop playing my gospel music. We have to make a deal. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going back to work now. Hey, Renee, I love y'all. I love y'all so much. Thank you. I'm glad you like my eyewear. 
So that was the message that was so important that Ruby Freeman had to leave all of those ballots insecure, unsecured. She had to tell all of her friends about how she uh, she won up some people and watched a movie by Queen Latifah, right? Uh, it's important, guys. It's important. I mean, yeah, screw the ballots, screw the elections. Um, I gotta tell you a bit about myself. Holland, Jordan County, got a pen. I need some glasses. I got to see out of here, far sighted, computer, bifocal. And then the sunglass thing. Oh, yeah. I said, go on and give me the whole kid and caboodle. Ain't no sense in playing. Give me all of it. Give me all of it. So I love y'all. Ciao. Look out for my different posts. I'll talk to you later, okay? All right. Ciao, everybody. Pray for us. Voters registration and election, Fulton County, downtown ATL. Pray for us. Yeah, I don't get on the phone. That's not my assignment. I can't get on the phone. Brenda, bucket, 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 bucket. <laughs> Okay, I'll be talking to y'all all day because I love y'all. I miss everybody. Y'all just don't know when I be posting the pictures, pictures about my treasures. I be so glad when I get back on the road. You know, you have no lipstick, mask, take all your lipstick off. But I do put it on, Cheryl, do, and it just have to go away. I, but I'll be so glad when I get back on the road. Actually, I'm just going to cut it there because all she does is talk about her face and her lipstick and traveling and going out of town and stuff like that for the remainder of the video. Uh, but there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There is Ruby Freeman. Uh, and again, uh, she's now suing uh, the Gateway Pundit, One American News, and um, Rudy Giuliani for defamation uh, when she clearly is a participant in some of the lack of security that happened there, never mind the fraud through the uh, the multiple ballot counting that she did. Like, you know, counting ballots, like triple, quadruple, quintuple times, there's no telling, you know, but, but all of the evidence that is there is hard. In fact, it's not an urban legend, okay? It's not an urban legend like Brad Raffensperger says, you know, so if, uh, if they want to come out with stories about how there was far fewer dead people than what President Trump said, in fact, he was wrong by like 4,996 people, you know, like they can do that and they can run those stories because all they're trying to do is to uh, is to break the core of evidence that we already have and that we've known about for months. OK, and again, it's it's my it's my privilege to share that with the audience, particularly, oh, um. particularly if they've never seen this before, uh, because, you know, uh, and I get it, you know, I get it. Um, We've heard this before. We've known about this for years, you know, well, not years in this case, a year or months, you know, um, why are they just going through it now? Or why is it just coming out now? Well, let's not forget, you know, for those of us who have been following this story, these stories, as long as we have, there is still a great number of people who are just waking up to all of this information. And it should be. Uh, rehashed. It should be brought up again because then, uh, you know, we as uh, America First uh, Patriots, uh, we're going to get rusty and we're going to forget, you know, um, and and these videos will disappear and articles will disappear, which brings me back to a point I was making about Wisconsin earlier that escaped me was that uh, in regards to the entire Center for Tech and Civic Life um, uh, uh, function and what they did for, you know, funneling all the, those millions of dollars into elections in 2020, 
because um, in preparation for the Wisconsin report that I'm going to share with you guys, uh, there there was there's some data that I can no longer find. And, uh, you know, I've been searching for it and I have the episode. It's like episode number 83 of the C report back in uh, I think it was May. Um, where we did an entire show on the Center for Tech and Civic Life, okay? And one of the things that I found that I shared had to deal with uh, kind of what you would call a receipt, uh, where um, the Center for Tech and Civic Life sent out a survey to the various counties to tell them how they shared their money or spent their money. Um, and th there was one there, I think it was from Pennsylvania, one county in Pennsylvania where they, they returned it and they told them, you know, how they spent their funds, if they had any funds left over, et cetera. Um, and of course, if they had any funds left over, the Center for Tech and Civic Life encouraged them to spend all of the money. So, uh, well, there's that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are currently still live, it looks like, on Twitch, DLive, Trovo, Clout Hub, um, and uh well, we're still live on those stations, guys. We got booted again on uh, Foxhole and Pill.net. So uh, hopefully they'll get that figured out. Um, but that's why I encourage guys also to check out the podcast, because uh, if you uh, if you can't, if you cannot watch uh, the show um, and, you know, you're able to listen to the show instead, uh, it'll be there as well. I, I won't I won't send you over to any of the other uh, platforms. But uh, if that is your preference, uh, we usually don't have breaks there yet. On Twitch, sometimes it happens, though. On Twitch, uh, every now and then, uh, there will be a break in the episode where um, it, it's, like, divided into, like, you know, segments. I don't know why that happens, honestly, on Twitch. Uh, but, uh, uh, well, well, that's all I got to say about that. All right. Uh, here's the last thing we're going to look at about Georgia. Um, we're going to talk about the uh, duplicate batch numbers. Uh, evidence that they used duplicate bats, bat duplicate ballots, excuse me, and uh, that they also use duplicate batches of the same ballots. Okay. Now this evidence is much firmer than what we just watched here. You know, uh, people can say, oh, that footage of uh, Ruby Freeman and Ralph Jones and Wandrea Moss, uh, that could be doctored, right? That, that's an urban legend that was doctored by the uh, right-wing conspiracy theorist Nazis, uh, who uh, didn't want a Democrat in office and who hate America, right? And you can say that all you want, okay? And they do, they do, and they still have. Um, but uh, when we're talking about the next bit of information, this is hard information where we had teams of people who were able to actually inspect the electronic ballot images as well as uh, batch number um, documentation, okay? And were able to determine in that investigation that not only were multiple ballots being used um, that were like, I would say like Xerox quality, right? Xerox copies, right? Um, but also within the, uh, those ballots were the, well, the batches were with the ballots within the batches and that they uh, then also duplicated the batches. Um, and so this actually came from Voter GA, Garland Favorito's group. Um, and this first one we'll show you, this is from Heather Mullins and she's a reporter on the East Coast. She covered the, uh, she covered the Wyndham, New Hampshire fraud it. Um, and uh, she's been all up in uh, in election integrity as far as uh, um, uh, sharing the true information that's out there. So we'll, we'll play this real short one. This one is a short clip that shows you an example 
of the duplicated ballots. Like, like I said, we're talking Xerox quality. And uh, in regards to these ballots, not only do they have this visual confirmation, back in November, December, they also had affidavits signed on penalty of perjury, right? Like if you lie, you're going to face time or some kind of consequence. And uh, there were there were like dozens in Georgia and in other states that signed affidavits of things that they witnessed going on during the 2020 election, which makes me wonder why would that many people want to uh, risk going to jail or facing some kind of fine or penalty in this regard, right? I mean, could you pay a Democrat enough to do that? I don't know, but uh, I, you know, I'm I'm willing to uh, to wager that uh, in regards to the affidavits and those who signed them, uh, re uh, in regards to the 2020 election, that uh, these people were honest people. And uh, I think that they felt um, angry and definitely disenfranchised over what they were witnessing. So I don't have the affidavits, guys, but we are going to look at this video. So check it out. So what we're looking at here are, um, are two different batches of votes. Scanner 5162, batch 234, image 59, and scanner 5162, batch 235, image 19. And what you can see is that like on this vote right here, we've got this exact same little tail that shows on both of them. And if you don't, and if you think that maybe that's, you know, if you think that maybe that's just a you know a mistake or, or, or you know or just a coincidence here's the next one that shows you can see republican is written there republicans written there this is um, ballot 61 this is ballot number two and then each one of them even has this little dot in the fanny willis okay and you have more of those we have the entire batch i've got there's 62 images in here total and i didn't even get a chance to go through all of them but these are the most obvious ones where it's clear that it's it's the same. This one's got the little tail on the side. And so what happened? So do you know the numbers of these total batches? Like I don't remember what the what the totals were or in the batches. I, I don't think they were they weren't disparate, they were fairly close. But the, the simple fact that they so occurred. If you see that little bubble right there, this is a one image. Here's another image. Exactly the same. exact same. And the batch number was it 5162? Well, so scanner 5162. Okay, scanner. Batch, batch number 235, image number 92, matches uh, the same scanner 5162, batch 234, image 33. So there you have it, duplicate ballots, the entire batches scanned several times. That is something to see, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? That is something to see. Um, so like I said, this this came out of that investigation. And again, we had voter, oops, sorry. We had a voter GA uh, headed by Garland Favorito and they gained access to these ballot images, okay? The judge, Judge Amaro, held it up in court for months. At first it was like, oh, Judge Amaro might be doing good for America. 
And then as the uh, the weeks and the months went along, it's like, okay, what's going on? And then finally in October, he just threw out the whole case. Okay. Now, all, all Garland Favorito wanted to do, all he wanted to do was view the uh, ballots and then he wanted to get a higher quality image, not even just, not even the physical ballots. Finally, it gets to the physical ballots, okay? And of course, the state of Georgia fights hard for that not to happen. Uh, and uh, eventually, they, they get it thrown out of court. So, uh, I mean, Judge Amaro dismissed this outright. Um, and I, it makes me wonder if Judge Amaro did like the judge in Michigan. And the judge in Michigan said, well, I didn't look at the evidence, and he threw it out. He dismissed the case in Michigan also. And he said he didn't look at the evidence because basically uh, there was no one that he could offer relief to uh, in that lawsuit. And I'm like, well, you had someone from Michigan who was suing. I mean, you'd be giving relief to the entire state if this was voter fraud. But that was his corrupt judicial reasoning. One last video clip we're going to play, guys. And this is um, from the voter GA, and we have Garland Favorito on the screen here, um, and the actual hearing, the press conference where they released more of this information. Uh, the man pictured with him is a man by the name of David Cross. He introduces himself. Uh, but again, we're looking at hard evidence that they procured, that they found, that they discovered during their own investigation. Okay. And the courts aren't looking at it. Uh, Brad Raffensperger is definitely not looking at it. Um, but, uh, it, you know, this is this is the thing. Through this, we have seen the various types of, um, of uh, election fraud that can be committed. We've seen all types now. There's at least 20 plus different types of fraud that they utilized in the 2020 election. They had to pull out all of the stops because more people turned out to vote for Trump than in 2016. Okay. Even with this whole planned pandemic going on, this still proved to be the case. And uh, and just as a friendly reminder to new listeners, Garland Favorito, if I'm not mistaken, is a registered Democrat. And if I am mistaken, I know for a fact that he is not a Trump supporter because he has said it before in several interviews. He did not support Trump. He does not support Trump. What he supports is the integrity of our elections and holding those sacred. Because again, ladies and gentlemen, our elections are representative of our freedom, not just our voice and our choice, but our freedom. Okay, hi everyone. My name is David Cross. Um, I'm a concerned citizen that reached out to, to Garland um, a few days after election day with just concerns about irregularities that I'm, that I'm seeing. I own a small business over in Duluth, Georgia, where I do investment management. And so really the, the crux of what I do for a living is investigate numbers. When, when clients come to me and say, is this, is this company a good investment? Is that company a good investment? My job is to go in and look at, at the financials and find out if it's a sound company. And we frequently have found instances where, where we found fraud. And we, and we save our clients millions of dollars by not investing in the other companies that have that kind of fraud. <clears throat> what I'm going to show you is just is very brief. I'll, I'll try to be to the point. If you want to, feel free to put your chairs forward. What I'm showing on the screen right now, this is the actual risk-limiting audit that the Secretary of State has posted on, on his website. Now, from here, 
this this thing's got 44,000 or 42, I think 42 or 44,000 lines to it. It's every absentee by mail, every election day, every batch that was used in, in the risk limiting audit. When we go from there, we're able to we're able to isolate it and get it down to the point where we can see um, what we're able to compare what was reported in the risk limiting audit versus what were we given in terms of images? So I'm going to jump right to I'm going to jump right to the the easy things that are that, that should have been found with any kind of audit. So what you're looking at here is these three top entries each show 96 votes for for Trump and 392 for Biden. And the very first line says absentee scanner three batches 174 through 178. When I go over and tally the images that correspond to, to those files or, or, or to the, the, the batch image files, it's it's pretty close, all right? So the rest of the main audit showed 491. We showed 495 ballots in there, and it's very close. What should have been caught was that Scanner 3 batch 175 and 176 was also reported as, three, as, as 96 and 392. And then absentee scanner 3 batch 177 was reported with exactly the same result. And if you just want to look at apples to apples on batch 177, the Secretary of State said 96 and 392. What was actually in the batch was 9 and 89. That's easy stuff to find. Anybody could have sorted the spreadsheet and found that, but they didn't. This entire page is filled with more duplicates. And some of these are duplicates that have similar names. So the next one says absentee scanner three batch one. And then the next line that's on here says scanner three slash one. Those numbers are, were reported as exactly the same on the risk limiting audit. Only one batch of files existed that says 43 and 55. Again, absentee scanner three, batch 18, looks the same as scanner three slash 18. This goes on down the page. I mean, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable <clears throat> amount of matches that happen on there that should have been easily identified by anybody just doing a basic audit to look for duplicate entries. It's a simple function to put into Excel. If this number matches that number and this other number matches the one above it, 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 it should be very simple to find. David, were all of these and all of these examples were the were the uh, numbers that were presented that, that were adjusted uh, always come in favor of Biden? Um, we had a few that were in favor of Trump, but the vast majority was, was Biden. Um, so these are these are ones that where we have exact numbers. You know, 21 and 77 gets reported twice, 8 and 90 gets reported twice, and there's only one batch that verifies what actually exists. So what would cause them to get counted twice? Would that be a deliberate thing, or just sort of what? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not going to speculate yeah. on that. But I do know that if, if the Secretary of State says, we counted them three times, they, they should be able to find this. This well, is not difficult. Who would be incompetent to conduct the audit? Yeah, I don't know. I would you know. Which, which group? Was it from the Secretary of State's office? Was it an outside group? Um, I think it was the Secretary of State's office, but Garland's more familiar with that. I'm just a numbers guy. Now, you want to ask now? Right? No, go ahead. Uh, so, um, 
I think you're asking how the audit was. I asked who are the incumbents who conducted, conducted the audit for the Secretary of State. Okay, so the way that it worked is Fulton County had an audit on November 14th, 15th with their own people. And um, the audit was entered into the Secretary of State system, as I explained before. And this report was generated from the Secretary of State. So Fulton State County system. audited itself. Uh, yeah. Um, so, okay. so, yeah. so, <laughs> so Fulton, I, the, the, answer, the answer to your question is, it, the it, was, it was Fulton County um, as, and assuming that the Secretary of State's reporting mechanism is right, this is the problem with the broken chain of custody. A Fulton County, when you conduct an audit, Fulton County should have their own results. So when they push it up, then we know, we can verify that, okay, it was Fulton County did it wrong. Now that the chain of custody was broken and it went to the Secretary of State's office and the Secretary of State reported Fulton County's number, you don't really know. So they pushed up falsified information to cover the tracks, basically. I'm sorry. They pushed up falsified information to the Secretary of State and covered the tracks. Uh, it, 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 it appears that way. We don't want to be accusatory. Sure. Yeah. But the, but it, it the reality is there's no tra tracks leading back, leading back to that. Well, yeah, no, there is. there are tracks. I mean, the, this data, the tally sheet is done by Fulton County. The tally sheet that David was, was talking about. They were done by Fulton County. They were then entered by Fulton County. But when they entered it, they entered it into the Secretary of State system, and that's what broke the chain of custody. They should have entered it into Fulton County. And yeah, and then upload it. Okay, so not only do we see the duplicate batches and numbers appearing um, in this report, we also have another example of broken chain of custody. All right, so uh, they're going to keep pushing this, guys. I mean, they're doing everything to, uh, for lack of a better word, poo-poo these findings and these discoveries, you know, and that's why I say, I said at the head of this, uh, this segment of the show is that they're rolling out the cleanup crew, right? That's why we're, I'm wondering, well, what exactly was the data that was um, altered or, or was updated or modified? We don't have a record of that, uh, you know, and then also um, uh, with that in mind, uh, where, where is any of the, where are any of these records being kept, but they're going to have the cleaning crew roll out and they're trying to wait out the clock. But clearly, just from what I've shown you guys tonight, Georgia should be decertified. And it could have been decertified months ago. Okay. Who will be who will be the winner of the great decertification race? I could not tell you, ladies and gentlemen. I, I myself would like to know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had my money on Georgia when uh, we were going through all these reports because it, it's blatant. Their findings are blatant and they merit a serious investigation if those who are currently in power uh, took this seriously or conversely, perhaps they take it so seriously. This is why they keep on blocking it because they know that their heads are on the chopping block if, uh, if any of this gains traction, okay? Uh, so speaking about election integrity and also the voter fraud that has been well-documented and investigated by independent, nonpartisan individuals, it's out there, it exists. 
Uh, and I would say don't uh, don't allow one's spirits to be dampered um, whenever we see these articles coming out, like especially because that's what you see in the headlines. Number one is uh, President Trump was wrong about dead voters. And let's hang on to that one. And then let's get caught up in the rest of the news cycle. So we kind of forget a little bit about what we are seeing and witnessing on the ground here in America, in our own backyards. And uh, it's not making it to, uh, it's not making it to the main news. And uh, the way the system's set up, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. All right. So that was, uh, that was our story for you guys tonight on Georgia. We got one last one to do. We're running into overtime now. I'd say, give me, I don't know, 20 more minutes or so. We'll get this wrapped up. Um, speaking of uh, news headlines and stories that are meant to uh, just kind of cover up everything. Aha! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the moment that you've either all been waiting for or that you've heard enough about already. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about good old Ghislaine Maxwell. All right. Uh, now, this was definitely a top story. In fact, um, initially what I was going to be reporting on Ghislaine Maxwell, I thought in my mind was uh, that the jury uh, was going to take another day, right? And I was going to kind of recap you all on um, uh, what had transpired since the last time we were on air and talking about Ghislaine Maxwell. Now, hands down, this has been one of the most important, if not the most important. Well, Jeffrey Epstein would have been the most important. Uh, but uh, when we're talking about Ghislaine Maxwell, yes, and the human trafficking and the allegations and that's not even getting into the pedophilia and all of those other items that uh, were not really examined in this in this trial, uh, but have uh, has surfaced in some instances uh, throughout um, the, the news cycle and the various uh, media uh, out there. One of the biggest stories should be the most important. Uh, and and of course, the reason to that would be all of the links and connections that Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein had to uh, specific individuals in this world, heads of industry, uh, heads of politics, uh, heads of banking, uh, you know, uh, celebrities, all of the above, right? Uh, they have ties to so many people of influence and power. Uh, one could really see why there could be some kind of a cover-up going on. And I think that's probably been the main debate. Um, and I know um, uh, for a minute, that was also a big concern of mine. Uh, how exactly is this trial, was the trial going to go? Would they find Ghislaine guilty? You know, or um, if they did, what, what would happen then? Uh, there are a lot of questions that have arisen out of this trial. Uh, but for first, just to be, um, just to be, uh, to be accurate in the reporting here for sure, um, Ghislaine Maxwell was found guilty this afternoon. Um, Breitbart reports that jurors deliberated for five full days before finding Maxwell guilty of five of six counts. Uh, earlier, I think I said, um, I think I said six of six counts. So I apologize there. I was uh, mistaken. But five of six counts. Uh, she faces the likelihood of years in prison, an, out an outcome long sought by women who spent years fighting in civil courts to hold Maxwell accountable for her role in recruiting and grooming Epstein's teenage victims and sometimes joining them in the sexual abuse. Okay. Uh, now, the uh, charges that she, the counts that she was found guilty on include count one 
uh, conspiracy to entice minors to travel to engage in illegal sex acts, uh, count two, enticement of a minor to travel to engage in illegal sex acts, count three, conspiracy to transport minors with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, count four, transportation of a minor with intent to engage in criminal sexual activity, uh, and count five, sex trafficking conspiracy. Um, so, uh, and then she had uh, other counts. Uh, one was count six, sex trafficking of a minor, count seven and eight. We'll talk about in a little bit. And that was a, a perjury, a perjury charge. Uh, but like I said, uh, there were a lot of questions that kind of come out of this. Uh, there was a lot of shadiness, untowardness, a lot of things that just did not seem to add up, uh, as the case was unfolding in the courtroom. Um, you know, we, uh, good questions to ask would be like, uh, why would the prosecution team only choose four of the victims when there are an alleged dozens of victims who have come forward and, and more than the four? OK, uh, probably the biggest question to ask out of that was in regards to um, uh, Virginia uh, Jufree. Now, Virginia Jeffrey, of course, uh, she she has her name is much more widely known in the, the headlines and stuff like that um, as as uh, being the victim of Prince Andrew. Right. And also of Jeffrey Epstein and other other individuals that she is named. We'll talk about that in a minute. But a lot of people had the question is, why did the prosecution team not bring uh, Ms. Jeffrey or, or call her in to testify or or uh, for questioning or anything in regards to this case. Um, other questions were like, uh, why did the prosecution team rest their case early? You know, uh, because again, this trial was scheduled to take six weeks to complete. Um, and even the defense team um, let on that the prosecution team um, ended their case early. The, in in one, uh, one of the articles that we read in a previous show, they were saying, well, uh, since the prosecution has uh, rested early, you know, we have to get our stuff together. They weren't even prepared, it seems. So there was that question. And, and uh, of course, then we, um, we know that it, it, the trial ended much sooner than it was anticipated to. They should have taken this over until about the end of January, like almost about to the end of January, you know, mid-January before uh, this, this trial should have run its course. Um, and then, of course, the one of the even bigger questions that came out of this, I think, was why is it that the judge, the defense team and the prosecution team, why did they all agree that they should not include Epstein's black book or mention any names uh, the name names, you know, in this case? They didn't want to name drop. And all of them agreed that that should not be part of this uh, of this trial, even though any of the testimony uh, that could have come from any of these individuals, any of the information that they would have been um, sworn and under oath to share or to tell, uh, could have um, further helped the prosecute prosecutors. Uh, now we all know who the prosecutors are. Um, that, of course, probably answers half of those questions. You know, uh, where we had Maureen Coney. Who was uh, um, uh, who is the daughter of uh, Jim Comey, Jane Corney? You know uh, uh, who we the whole debacle with President Trump and the impeachment and all that stuff. Um, it, you really have to wonder, you know, uh, who is she really working for here? Uh, and then, of course, we also had uh, the lead prosecutor, um, who is the uh, Southern District of New York uh, lead attorney. 
and her ties uh, to uh, the Cuomo goons uh, via her daughter. Um, so a lot of questions like that were coming up. And of course, she was also a kind of a, a, an anti-Trumper as well. Um, so, I mean, again, uh, probably half those questions were answered uh, just by realizing and recognizing who was prosecuting Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it has been said, you know, we should never lose faith in, in what could happen. So we've seen now that Ghislaine Maxwell has been found guilty. Okay, so then the next questions that arise, obviously, from that are, well, what's going to happen next to uh, Ghislaine Maxwell? Um, and uh, what will the charges be? Now, she's facing, as, uh, as uh, the news report shared here, uh, several years in prison. Okay, um, several years in prison for what has happened here. And uh, <laughs> that just reminded me about something that I forgot to do. Uh, but let me go ahead and pull something up real quick. Okay. All right. Uh, but um, in, in that regard, ladies and gentlemen, there's still there's still questions to be asked. And uh, what what could we see moving forward from this? Well, as as it happens, as it happens, this is not over. Okay, the whole Ghislaine Maxwell trial, this portion of the trial where she's been sentenced they're going to put that into the history books. Okay. That's done. That's said and done. But um, as far as the role of Jeffrey Epstein and those who are also involved in the human trafficking and, uh, and the, uh, the child rape, uh, they do need to see their day of justice. Justice must be served. Uh, we cannot ignore all of the facts, okay, and everything that, all of the evidence that we have seen arise from this. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm one to say that it's quite possible, maybe we'll see this come out of the uh, Virginia Jufree versus uh, Prince Andrew trial that is still on the horizon, okay? Now, um, the Miami Herald reported, and it said this, um, and this is in regards to, uh, again, Virginia of Jufree and also Prince Andrew. Uh, they were talking about, oh, actually, they were talking about uh, why she might not have been called into the Glenn Maxwell trial. Okay, well, let me jump back here a minute. This is what the Miami Herald reported. Um, it said that Virginia's attorney um, told the Miami Herald that they did not know why prosecutors chose to build their case on just the four alleged victims. One theory is that they felt including testimony from Ms. Jufries may complicate the case with extra actors. So just kind of what I had said, um, as well as other jurisdictions and other details, rather than sticking to a more straightforward narrative that lays out criminal wrongdoing, while bypassing her allegations about the Duke of York keeps some of the most explosive assertions about Ms. Maxwell out of the trial, it also allows prosecutors to avoid a big risk. Okay, what it, that risk is, I couldn't tell you. The risk that uh, the story of this crime would get so convoluted that the jury uh, would not know how to rule or how to uh, how to yeah how to find um, uh, find uh, Ghislaine. Uh, there was a news article that came out that I actually found kind of interesting. Um, again, as the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was not televised and it was not audio recorded, the only thing that, uh, you know, shows like mine, ours could do was rely on the headlines and the newspapers and the reports that came out, which we do anyways, right? Um, there was, so 
scattered across, you know, the news cycles out there, you had various, you know, articles being written by dozens and dozens of, of news outlets, agencies. They came from everywhere, right? Uh, but there was one that I had read when I was doing the recap of uh, everything up until this point that mentioned that the judge told the jury that they should, uh, to paraphrase, that they should not view Ghislaine Maxwell's lack of knowledge about the activities of Jeffrey Epstein as basically a way to find her innocent, which I found very interesting um, that the judge made a statement to that point, okay, because the, uh, the, the defense team was trying to draw this narrative that Ghislaine was innocent of any knowledge about what was going on with Epstein and all the girls that she helped procure. And it's kind of lame that the defense went with that, uh, with that argument, because it, even amongst the four victims that were, uh, that took the stand, you had one that accused Ghislaine of actually also participating, not just in grooming, not just in procuring, but actually participating in the sexual abuse. So, uh, this case was already stacked against Ghislaine, and justly so, justly so, um, but uh, very interesting to note. Uh, maybe there was some reason to, I don't know, maybe there is still that silver lining. Maybe maybe we should uh, go ahead and hold on to the fact that this something could still come out of this. Now, let's talk about uh, the uh, Goofrey Jufrey Andrews case. Now, there's not actually been a date of trial set for uh, this, this next, this is going to be the next big one guys, because if they manage to take this to trial, it, uh, perhaps this is the, uh, uh, this is the venue where the names will be dropped, or this is the venue where more of this information will come to light about the other perpetrators, the other, um, the other, uh, the other criminals involved in this, the other predators, uh, those who were the shoppers and the buyers for Jeffrey Epstein and who participated in the activities uh, that he provided for them. Basically, it, that's how you could how you could picture it uh, quite perfectly. Um, now, we'll also want to recall that during uh, during um, whenever this was first breaking and also in uh, the uh, first trial of Jeffrey Epstein, they had all of these files and all of these documents. Uh, we're talking we're talking depositions, flight logs, transcripts, emails and, and more documentation that had been sealed. And then that was unsealed. And so in the, all of this, uh, all of this documentation, you know, it's more damning. Um, not just for uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Prince Andrew, also for Ghislaine Maxwell, which is why I found it interesting also that uh, some of this information was not included in the trial because the jurors were asking to see transcripts and the judge was like, well, the transcripts were not submitted as evidence. So all you can do is rely on the testimony of, you know, uh, of the victim who took the stand that was saying those things. But uh, just a real quick recap on some of this information. This comes from 37's newsletter. Uh, let's take a look at this. It says here on the headline, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell trial notables from the unsealed Epstein files. Okay. Uh, it says in 2015, Virginia Roberts Jufri sued Ghislaine Maxwell for defamation in New York federal court. 
The Epstein files from this case were unsealed in 2019, which are contained in this 2024 page PDF. More material was later unsealed by Judge Preska. This recent unsealed material is found on the court docket for the Maxwell trial. As a whole, there are thousands of documents, including the depositions, flight logs, interview transcripts, emails, receipts, pictures, and other pieces of evidence. And then uh, they go on to say some of the exhibits they find. So just real briefly looking at this, uh, some examples of the unsealed material. Uh, Virginia Roberts Dufresne says she was trafficked by both Epstein and Maxwell to many men. Question asked, I'm asking you, is it your contention that Ghislaine Maxwell sexually trafficked you to famous people? Um, answer, could you be more specific? Like, are we talking about rock stars or royalty or or? Question, politically connected and financially powerful people? She answers yes. Uh, the response is okay. To whom did Ghislaine Maxwell sexually traffic you to? And she says, you have to understand that Jeffrey and Ghislaine are joined by uh, hip by hip, okay? So they both trafficked me. Ghislaine brought me in for the purpose of being trafficked. Jeffrey was just as a part of it as she was. She was just as a part of it as he was. They trafficked me to many people. And to be honest, there is people I could name. And then there's people that are just a blur. There was so much happening. Um, the article says names include Glenn Dubin, Stephen Kaufman, Alan Dershowitz, George Mitchell, Prince Andrew, Marvin Minsky, Jean-Luc Brunel, Bill Richardson, a large hotel chain owner, probably Thomas uh, Pritzker, and many others that she could not recall. And then uh, there's a, um, we're looking at more of the transcript here where she actually names those names and she goes on to give some account of what was going on. Uh, there are allegations of minor uh, VRG, Virginia uh, Jufri being trafficked to Maxwell, Prince Andrew, and Alan Dershowitz. Uh, so uh, the transcripts from the uh, court documents uh, talk about that. Uh, highlighted is the allegations include that Epstein also sexually trafficked the then minor Jane Doe number three, making her available for sex to politically connected and financially powerful people. Um, the politically connected and financially powerful people identified by Edwards and Cassell by name in the Joinder motion as having had sexual relations with Jane Doe number three were Prince Andrew, Duke of York, Miss Maxwell, Jean-Luc Brunel, and Alan Dershowitz. Okay. Uh, it talks about how the uh, trafficking scheme was international. So it is almost like a, uh, a franchise here, uh, a big old corporation. In France, Ghislaine Maxwell ordered her given an erotic massage to a French hotel magnate. Uh, the question to uh, uh, Virginia Dufresne was, which time in France? Her answer was, I believe it was around the same time that Naomi Campbell had a birthday party. Question, where did you have sex with the owner of a large hotel chain in France around the time of Naomi Campbell's birthday party? Answer, in his own cabana townhouse thing, it was part of a hotel, but I wouldn't call it a hotel. Jeffrey was staying there. Ghislaine was staying there. Emmy was staying there. I was staying there. This other guy was staying there. I don't know his name. I was instructed by Ghislaine to go and give him an erotic massage. Um, and then um, the question is, she used the word erotic massage. And uh, Miss um, Jufri answered, no, that's my word. The word massage is what they would use. That was their code. Okay. And then uh, the next example here is uh, an example of, um, uh, of Epstein bragging about having 12-year-old girls from poor French families flown in for his birthday. I'm not going to read that. It's despicable. Uh, and then, of course, one of the witnesses talking about Bill Clinton being at Jeffrey Epstein's island. 
um, as well as Ma Ghislaine Maxwell and two young girls and uh, talking about how sexual orgies were a regular occurrence there. Okay, and I'm also not going to read that as well. Uh, other names are listed according to this. Uh, Naomi Campbell, Heidi Klum, Clinton, former Vice President Al Gore, Simpsons co-creator Matt Groening, in case any of y'all were wondering how he got the scoop on the future predictions of the world in America. Well, look who he was hanging out with, as well as Jacques Cousteau's granddaughter, Alexandra Cousteau. Okay, so uh, those are more things that are coming out. So like I said, all of this information came out um, and, and perhaps... Um, we will see some justice coming from the Virginia Robert Jufree v. Prince Andrew trial if they make it to trial. And the reason why I say if is because since all of this landed, um, the, the next key date here will be January 4th, okay? January 4th is actually the date that the court has given to uh, the Prince Andrew legal team um, to... Um, to argue for a motion to dismiss the case. So January 4th, Prince Andrew's legal team is going to go try and uh, argue to dismiss the case. And that's when we'll find out if they're going to move forward with this trial. So where we might not be seeing justice coming for all the victims um, and justice coming to all those who, um, who uh, participated in all of this devilish evil activity um, in the Glenn Maxwell trial, Perhaps we'll see some of that coming out of the uh, Jufree Prince Andrew trial with the hopes that they do not win their argument to dismiss this case. So that's something that we can hang on to moving forward. Now, the last point I'd like to share and uh, another thing that's coming out about this, again, because we got the guilty verdict on Ghislaine, right? Um, we got the guilty verdict on Ghislaine. We got Prince Andrew and uh, Jew Free situation going on. But, you know, no, no justice seems like it's coming to the powerful, you know, uh, influential people of this world, right? And that's really what we need to see. We need to see justice served to all the politicians, celebrities, the heads of industry that, uh, that actually were involved in, in, uh, in running this business. And I say running because if they're, if they're, paying Jeffrey to do all these things, Epstein to do all these things, uh, they are, they are assisting, you know, in all of this and they are just as guilty as, as Ghislaine and Epstein were for their role in, uh, in, uh, sex trafficking, uh, crimes against humanity, pedophilia, child sex trafficking and child rape. Okay. Let's just call it what it is. It's child rape. You know, these were not underaged women. These were children that they were doing it too. Um, so out of the uh, depositions, of course, that we see um, that were procured from the uh, Jufree case, um, it, it goes back to Maxwell. Um, two of the charges that Ghislaine Maxwell also faced in this trial uh, were the um, charges of perjury, okay, because she perjured herself. Uh, Ghislaine said she didn't know anything about what Epstein was doing. Basically the same game that they were playing, okay, the defense team was playing for Ghislaine Maxwell, okay, that she, she, was, she was unaware, she was innocent, she had no knowledge, Jeffrey did all of this behind her back, right? Um, and and uh, she had she she was not privy to any of his activities. Right, okay. Well, when she was deposed um, with the 
with the Jufri case, uh, she said that she, that's what she said in her statement. And uh, because of that, um, it has been discovered from this trial and the depositions that she perjured herself. So two of the other charges that uh, were given against Ghislaine were perjury charges. Now, uh, the judge for this case, again, that's Judge Allison Nathan, um, she allowed those perjury charges to be handled in a separate case. Okay, so Ghislaine Maxwell has another day in court coming. Um, she will, uh, and now there's no date set on this. Um, the articles that I read basically said uh, that it's going to be sometime next year. Uh, as for now, uh, we have to wait to see um, what her uh, her punishment will be. Um, and then also um, where that's going to put her. Uh, right now, she's back in that in the same detention center uh, in Brooklyn or Manhattan that she's been kept at uh, from that point, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, real quick, just on the uh, perjury charges, just so you guys can uh, get a, a quick look at that, in case you didn't know, uh, from Bloomberg, bleh, right? Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell now faces another criminal trial for perjury. Prosecutors say Maxwell lied under oath during her 2016 deposition. Judge severed the perjury counts from the sex trafficking case. Uh, and it goes on to say here real quick. Ghislaine Maxwell's guilty verdict is likely not the last trial result she will face. The 60-year-old will be in court again probably next year on charges that she lied under oath about her boyfriend Jeffrey Epstein's abuse of underage girls. Um, after the verdict Wednesday, in which the former British socialite was found guilty of five out of six sex crimes charges, uh, she is already facing as many as 65 years in prison. Her lawyers have not said yet whether they will appeal, but Maxwell requested those charges be tried separately from two perjury counts, and U.S. District Judge Allison Nathan agreed in April. Okay, so uh, there you have it in regards to what's coming up next for Ghislaine. I think um, I think uh, the major question here is, and uh, what some people might be speculating, and I think justly so, is uh, could it be possible with a 60-year-old Ghislaine Maxwell, could it be possible that at this point uh, she might um, talk in order to reduce her uh, charges, her, uh, in order to reduce her sentence? I think that that is, I mean, realistically speaking, if I were her age, probably that's what I would. Probably that's what I would be shooting for. I would be like, lawyer, you know, you got to find another way to get me out of this and uh, and uh, free herself up in the, you know, the last years of her life. But uh, that idea presents itself with another notion, ladies and gentlemen, as the uh, hashtag Ghislaine Maxwell did not uh, kill herself is already circulating. It's got to be this one, guys. Come on up here. And now for those of you who are on the podcast, we're looking at a meme. <laughs> and uh, should uh, should uh, Ghislaine Maxwell decide to talk? Should Ghislaine Maxwell decide that she's got, she wants to make a deal? We have a, we have a meme here of uh, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton um, with the, uh, with the, the nose and, and glasses uh, costume mask. Ghislaine Maxwell's new guards clocking in, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I think that is definitely something to watch. Um, and of course, uh, we will uh, share as much information as we are privy to here at the Sea Report. If not, I'm sure you guys know where to find your news. 
Uh, but I thank you all for tuning in and being here with us today, tonight. And again, um, uh, it's been it's been a great time to be back. Uh, and uh, we'll see how this develops, guys, because, um, well, there's no telling where this could go at this point. Uh, but uh, as I like to say here at the Sea Report, may justice be served. Uh, it's, sometimes it's slow, but let it be swift. Uh, and that's for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for another episode of The Sea Report. We'll be back tomorrow um, uh, for more news. Look for this episode on the podcast as well. And, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I think with that said, um, we'll call it a night. And uh, till next time, as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.